This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. There goes Turner. Pitches down. Throw to second is too late. And a stolen base for Trey Turner to start the night. He's standing at second with nobody out. Yuli lines this one deep to left center, going back is Soto, still going back, looking up, that is off the wall, Springer scores, Altuve scores, Gurriel in the second, a two-run double, two-to-nothing Astros. Here's the wide of the pitch, swing and a drive hit well, deep center field, way back goes Springer, to the warning track, looking up, and it is gone, goodbye, bang, soon goes the Z-Man, to the deepest part of Minute Maid Park, it's Houston two and Washington one. Swing a fly ball, well hit to left field. Way back goes this one. It's got a chance. It's going, going, and long gone up onto the railroad tracks. Welcome to the World Series, Juan Soto. This one's blasted left center. That ball's got a chance. If it's high enough, it is a home run. Springer. And now it's Nationals. Three. And Springer drives it pretty deep to right center field. Going back on it is Eaton at the wall. He leaves, and that ball is off the wall. Tucker races to third base. He's around third, and coming home, there will be no throw to the plate. It's an RBI double for Springer, and it's 5-4 to four Nationals. Little sets. He kicks, he delivers, and a swing and a fly ball left center field. Robles to his right on the run there. He's calling for it, and he makes the catch. And a curly W's in the books. The Nationals take game one of the 2019 World Series. Our final score, the Washington Nationals five, the Houston Astros four. That was awesome. Game one. It's the World Series, the fall classic. It lived up to the billing. I enjoyed every minute of it. The 115th World Series. That's right, 115th. By the way, how about these numbers? Game one winner all time in the World Series is 71 and one has won 71 of the 114 World Series. And recently, game one winner has won 18 of the last 22 fall classics. 
So game one in the books, the Washington Nationals, they go in as one of the biggest underdogs in World Series history. And they take game one against Garrett Cole, who hasn't lost since May. The excitement all the way down to the last out. This is what we got going for you today here on A's Cast Live. Chris Giles, COO of The Athletics, will join us at 2 o'clock. Former closer Brad Lidge at 2.30. Pitching coach for the Oakland, Athle- the Oakland Athletics, Scott Emerson at 3. And then Dan Schulman, who's calling these games for ESPN Radio at 3.30. If you want to weigh in, you can text us at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. Your thoughts, game one of the World Series. Now, when you think about how that game started, how many of you went, oh, boy. You know, Mad Max just didn't have it. He didn't have his best stuff. They get the two runs early, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting there in my house thinking, Oh, man, don't be a blowout. Don't be a blowout. And then Zimmerman goes deep. His first at-bat. How how cool is that? First at-bat, 15 years in the league. He's been on the Nationals the whole time. He's been a cornerstone for the Nationals. He's been through all those heartbreak losses. Ryan Zimmerman finally gets to the the World Series, and his first at-bat crushes Garrett Cole. That thing was a bomb. Cole knew it right away. And I think that played a big part in the game. It reminded me of Rocky III. Remember in Rocky III, Dolph Lundgren, he's unbeatable, right? He's killed Apollo Creed. And all of a sudden, Rocky finally pops him, and he starts bleeding. And when Rocky goes back to the corner, hey, he's human. He's just a man. You can beat him. That's kind of how I felt last night about the game. As Garrett Cole has been unbeatable, Zimmerman takes him yard, and it kind of just like lit up everybody with the Nationals. And then the Juan Soto show started. This kid, if you could have a draft right now and take anybody in baseball, are you taking this kid? He's 20 years old, and there's nothing he can't do. He hit a home run off Garrett Cole in the train tracks in left center. The train tra- right-handers have a hard time going up there. He he's left-handed. He hit it in the and, and and a bunch of people who have been around Minute Maid Park since the start said we've never seen a left-handed guy do that. I mean, they're comparing this kid to Ted Williams. He's insane. And then how about the third at bat? Cole wanted no part of him. Cole wouldn't throw him a fastball. And finally, he flipped a slider up there that Soto then hit off the wall. Incredible. The talent that this guy has. Bryce Harper, who? You have a player like this under team control for for all these years. And so far, lighting it up in the postseason. Who brought up – somebody brought up a – I think it was J.J. Cooper of Baseball America joined us, and he brought up a really good point. And the point is the playoffs have changed so much over the years, and they've added so many games that these young guys have played in so much postseason before they even get to the World Series 
that the World Series, obviously it's a big deal. Juan Soto said when he stepped up to the his, his when he stepped up to the plate for the his first at bat, he says legs were a little shaky. But the thing is, he's played in a wild card game. He's played in the AL, the uh, NLDS, NLCS. He's played in all these playoff games. You know, the World Series, it's not like back in the day where one team wins the National League, one team wins the American League, and then you immediately start the World Series like it was old school. I mean, basically, and look at all the games he's got underneath his belt. Juan Soto right now is 42 at-bats already in the postseason. 42. He's an amazing talent. And then how about Scherzer battling? Corbin comes in. The new trend in baseball is not only starters. You want your starters to go as deep as you possibly can. But forget this bullpenning. You're bringing starters out of the bullpen now. We've seen that now for the past few years. We'll talk to Scott Emerson about that. About you, you want to bring in a guy. Now, Corbin only went one, but you bring in a guy that can go through the lineup. Flip a lineup, as they like to say. And it's just refreshing to see stars on the mound. It is so good for the World Series. All this bullpenning crap, I'm so tired of hearing it. Because let's face it. Do you care about a bunch of bullpen guys that you don't even know who the hell they are? I mean, that's basically the Rays. The Rays are so boring to watch, bringing in a bunch of guys who cares who they are. I mean, you've got stars on the mound, future Hall of Famers. Scherzer's going to the Hall of Fame. Cole, he'll be a candidate. By the way, that was one thing that I thought was so right yesterday on MLB Network. And our guy, Brian Kinney, friend of the program, calling people envy Hall of Fame candidates. Too many times, oh, he's a future Hall of Famer. You don't know that. You don't know if anybody's going to get this. You don't know who's going to get the 75% guaranteed. I like that how you say he's a candidate. Like Al Leiter was on, the, uh, was on there yesterday. Al Leiter was once a Hall of Fame candidate. He was on the ballot. Didn't get voted in. So, so always just assuming guys are going to the Hall of Fame, I kind of like that. I might steal that. Hall of Fame candidate Scherzer, with his numbers and the awards, he will be going to the Hall of Fame. Cole, definitely a candidate. What they say about Grinky yesterday? He's going to be a candidate, no question. Verlander, he's going in, and he's going tonight. To have star pitchers on the mound just heightens the drama. And this World Series starts off with an absolute bang. Also, a big-time controversy that I'm going to get into. You know what? Karma right now is not on the Houston Astros side. You know, the last couple years, as great as the, as great as the Astros have been, and they're trying to win the World Series two out of three years, That's a pretty big accomplishment. Three straight years of over 100 wins. They have been a controversial organization. Whether it goes back to earlier this year where Justin Verlander and the Astros were denying the writer from Detroit to come in their clubhouse, which is against the rules. They've been accused of cheating by multiple franchises. And now this whole issue 
with their assistant general manager and the way they've handled it, let me tell you this. This is what you're going to hear on the program today. The cover-up is worse than the actual crime. And who's, who's ever making decisions? We were supposed to have Reed Ryan on today. Nolan Ryan's son, who is the president of the Astros, obviously that got canceled. I don't know who's making the decisions. This assistant general manager is a moron. But then the people in the organization, their response to the allegations, it, 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 it is so Bush League. It's so – so right now – well, actually, they're probably – they got to be on the ground by today. I'll explain what's going on, but just to tell you this, Major League Baseball – you already have officials that are there at the World Series, but Major League Baseball flew out investigators yesterday. They're on the ground now. They're going to investigate this whole story. Brandon Tobman, the assistant GM, and what he did to the three female reporters. And then the actual lie put out by the Astros that they then had to they had to back up. There's still no one said sorry. Major League Baseball is going to investigate this. And let me tell you something. People are going to pay. I can guarantee you that. Because if you're listening to any of the insiders, baseball is absolutely livid. They're livid how this was handled. They're livid at the assistant GM. Then they're even more pissed off about how the Astros handled it. We'll talk about that next and the World Series right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. We're doing it from the offices here at Jack London Square today. Got a little event tonight with some potential A's Access members. I'm going to be with Marcus Simeon here at the offices, entertaining, watching game two of the World Series. Looking forward to that later tonight. I mean, the, the pitching matchups are just Strasburg against Verlander. How good is that? I want to play, first of all, A.J. Hinch. Here, you know, let's explain it, okay, if, you, if you're not, because I know not everybody knows what's going on. So there were three women that were standing in the clubhouse. And there's a celebration going on after the Astros have taken down the Yankees. Brandon Taubman is a assistant general manager for the Houston Astros. He starts screaming about Roberto Osuna. I'm not going to repeat the language, but basically saying, I'm so blank and happy that we got him and just kept repeating it and yelling it and yelling it in the direction of these three women. Now, one of the women is a reporter who basically disagreed with the trade that the Astros made for Roberto Osuna, who was suspended 75 games because of domestic violence. He wasn't charged in Toronto because the woman took the child and moved back to Mexico. So they didn't file charges. But Major League Baseball had enough evidence to suspend him for 75 games. Nobody in baseball wanted him except one team, and that's the Houston Astros. So this woman 
last year when he would pitch would make comments about domestic violence on Twitter. And Brandon Taubman had told people before he didn't like it. She not only had reported on this, she was wearing a bracelet that is against domestic violence. And by the way, this we're, we're in the month of against domestic violence. Domestic violence has no place anywhere. We all know that. So Todman is yelling at these women about how happy he is that they have a son. He's screaming at them to where they go, okay, this is unprofessional. This just isn't right. So one of the women works for Sports Illustrated, put the story out. The Astros then do this. And, and, and this, I, I wish I was investigating this. I want to know who approved this. This is on official Houston Astros letterhead. I want to know who wrote it. I want to know who said that they could put this out to the public. If I'm Major League Baseball, I'm investigating everybody. Who authorized this? First of all, Taubman, you're suspended indefinitely. That's conduct unprofessional. You know, it makes me think of, of, of college football or college basketball when they start talking about inst- lack of institutional control. That's like what the Astros have right now. So this is what they put out after the SI story hits about what Tobman did. Where he's and, and by the way, Osuna is not even next to Tobman. No one's even talking to Osuna. Osuna blew the game, right? So why is this guy screaming, I, I'm so blank and happy we got him, and he's yelling at these women. So then the Astros put this out after the story hits on SI, Sports Illustrated. The story posted by Sports Illustrated is misleading and completely irresponsible. An Astros player was being asked questions about a difficult outing. Our executive was supporting the player during a difficult time. His comments had everything to do with the game situation that just occurred and nothing else. They were also not directed towards any specific reporters. We are extremely disappointed in Sports Illustrated's attempt to fabricate a story where one does not exist. I want to know who wrote this. I want to know who authorized this to go out. Because this is a lie. It's like this is so unprofessional as someone who's been in this for over 25 years. And I've been in clubhouses my entire locker rooms, clubhouses my entire career. You literally have morons running your organization because inside a clubhouse like this, there's all kinds of reporters. There's all kinds. There's TV people, radio people. Two, two other reporters from the Houston Chronicle have backed the story on Sports Illustrated. And one was a man, and he said, you know what? I, I, I'm angry at myself for not stepping forward. So this, this woman who wrote the story, Cody, I, I know I sent it to you. I can't remember her name. But she's been vindicated. Like, there's other people going, this is exactly what happened. So you put out, 
No one was talking to Asuna. That's a lie. And then to try and discredit the reporter is disgusting. You lied. You lied in a press, a national press release. Then you got to start walking it back. So then Tobman puts this out. This past Saturday during our clubhouse celebration, I used inappropriate language for which I'm deeply sorry and embarrassed. Uh, so you're now admitting to it. In retrospect, I realized that my comments were unprofessional and inappropriate. Remember, this is Tuesday, not Monday, when the story broke. This is Tuesday. My over-exuberance in support of a player has been misinterpreted as a demonstration of a regressive attitude about important social issues. Those that know me know that I'm progressive and a charitable member of the community and a loving and committed husband and father. I hope that those who don't know me understand that the Sports Illustrated article does not reflect who I am or my values. I'm sorry if anyone was offended by my actions. You're lying, dude, and everybody knows it. And this, This guy, by the way, I totally looked him up, and I actually, I'll say this. I know somebody that knows him says he's not the greatest guy in the world. So, Mr. Progressive and Charitable. Now, Jeffrey Luno, a lot of people respect, say he's a really nice guy. Uh, Cody, what's her name? Stephanie Abstain. Or is it Stein? Do you know? I would say Steen. It looks like Abstein. Stephanie Abstein from Sports Illustrated. Tobman is a guy that went to Cornell. He's another one of these Ivy League guys. His big thing is that he was a fantasy baseball player, never played above junior varsity baseball in high school. And he's your typical young data cruncher who has no idea what it is to be a professional. We got a lot of smart people in our game now, but it doesn't mean that they know how to be a pro. People were talking about this guy potentially getting interviewed for the Boston Red Sox job. Guess what? His career may be over. And that's rough to say. But when you start, when when you have so many people backing this story now, you're yelling at women basically saying, I don't care about domestic violence. I don't care what he did. I'm so glad we, I mean, the guy, remember the guy blew the save? He blew the save in the game, and you're screaming at three female reporters? I want, I want you to play for me. The only person that has gotten this right that I've heard of so far is A.J. Hinch, the Stanford, former Stanford player, former athletic. A.J. Hinch said this before the game, and he was spot on. It's unfortunate. It's uncalled for. It's, it, it, you know, for me as a leader in this organization, uh, down here in the clubhouse on the field, I take everything that happens in the clubhouse uh, to heart. And um, you know, no one—I don't—I don't. It doesn't matter if it's a player, a coach, a manager, any of you members of the media um, should ever feel like when you come into our clubhouse that you're going to be uncomfortable or disrespected. So I didn't—I wasn't there. I don't—I don't know. Um, 
to the extent of what happened, I read like everybody. I haven't I haven't talked to uh, to every single person in the organization as you would expect. I, I've been knee deep in the Washington Nationals, but um, I think we all need to be better uh, across the board in the industry. Um, I understand why it's a question today, and I you know I appreciate it, um, but I, but I was disappointed. Bravo. I think what he just said should be printed out and put in every single clubhouse in Major League Baseball. That no one who walks through these doors, no one, whether it's players, manager, coaches, employees, media, no one should ever feel uncomfortable and not safe. No one. I've seen this before. I've seen the bullying in the clubhouse. It drives me nuts. I've listened to some of these guys, and I'm talking about players, who say this is our clubhouse. This is our special spot. And I've always said and laughed, oh, really? This is yours. Oh, you paid for the stadium? Last time I checked, just about every stadium is paid by the taxpayers. You didn't pay crap. You don't own the stadium. You don't own this room. As a player, here's something. Here's another thing for you to think about. Players. Players are part-time employees. Yeah, I said it. They're independent contractors. Did you know that? Yeah, they have a contract, but they're independent contractors. They're not full-time employees. Their health insurance is not paid for. Their, 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 their retirement is not. Like, I'm an, I'm an employee of the A's. The A's pay my salary. I get my health benefits through the A's. The A's have a retirement process, a 401k, that they pay, I pay into, they pay into. I'm a full-time employee. You're not a full-time employee. You're a part-time guy that's here for six months, and then you're gone. I get so tired of people talking about, this clubhouse is ours. No, it's not. No, it's not. We're all in this thing together. It's called a business. And you're part of the you're a big part of the business as a player. As you can tell, I'm heated. I, I I've seen the bullying. I've seen this before, and I can't believe this man is still right now an assistant general manager for the Houston Astros and has not at least been suspended or removed from his job. They're 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 all lying. Jim Crane, the owner, came out. The Astros continue to be committed to using our voice to create awareness and support on the issue of domestic violence. We not only ensure mandatory training annually for all of our employees, we have also created an important partnership with the Texas Council on Family Violence and have raised over 300000 through the initiatives to help various agencies providing important support for the cause. We fully support MLB and baseball stance and values regarding domestic violence. What does that have to do with the incident in your clubhouse, Jim Crane? Your employee was yelling at women, essentially sticking up for the guy that was suspended for 75 games and no one wanted him, and you were throwing it in their face. It keeps getting better. There's no sorries. There's no, there's no, I, it just keeps, how about this? 
Jeffrey Luno, the GM, said today, what we really don't know is the intent behind the appropriate comments he made. We may never know that because the person who said them and the people who heard them, at least up to this point, have different perspectives. So the owner, the GM, haven't even heard from the president, Reed Ryan, yet. I can't wait to see what goes on here. I can't wait to see what Major League Baseball is livid. You lied in a press release. Okay, we read you the press release where they flat out lied. No one was talking to Asuna. No one was badgering him with questions. These women were not even close to Asuna. And then you have multiple media members all backing up the story that you said was a lie. And then the next day, the best the best thing you have is Tobin saying he's a great guy in the community, and the and the and and the owner saying, "Well, we've 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 dedicated our time to family abuse, and we've given money." And then now, the GM says, "He said, she said." I don't know how Major League Baseball. I don't know how you not go in there and 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 really make an example of these guys. Once again, this is an organization that multiple teams have accused them of cheating. This is an organization that earlier this year, Verlander didn't like what a Detroit writer wrote about, about him, so they banned him from the clubhouse, which is totally against MLB rules. Totally. Now, they later allowed the guy in, but Verlander had to be done. You, they're doing things that are unprofessional. Lack of institutional control. And if you're Major League Baseball, and this is a very sensitive issue, I don't know how you go in there and, like like I said, if I was running it, oh, I'm interviewing the GM. I'm interviewing the assistant. I'd, I'd already have this guy on leave. He would already be, you're, you're on leave. I'm putting you on ice. And then I would start going through the whole organization. What does the owner know? What does the GM know? By the way, the only guy that's really stepped up, I feel bad, A.J. Hinch. Why is he the only guy that has to come out and talk about it? He didn't even see it. He's the manager. I mean, where are these guys? The World Series is there. All the different media is there. And we're only he- actually hearing from, from A.J. Hinch. I want to know who wrote. I want to know who wrote that original press release. I want to know who authorized it. The cover-up is worse than the crime. And that's what they have to deal with. They should all be embarrassed. Top to bottom. But you know what? When you live in a bubble and you think your bubble's unbreakable, that that bubble can't pop, this is what's this is the kind of stuff that happens. When you when you believe you're above it, that's why you got to have a commissioner's office. Cuz you're not above it. And I and I hope they come down on these guys. I think I mean for the first like I went into this World Series, hey, I want a good World Series. 
I now the more you find out about the Astros, they're not about you know that kind of stuff would never you. Billy Bean would not tolerate any of this. I've known Billy my entire career. Remember what happened with Larry Bear and the Giants? Remember how they handled that? Billy Bean was like, this would never happen. Nothing like that's ever happened with us. No, None of the people that work for Billy Bean would do something like this, would have the disrespect like that, and then to lie about it. You think that would happen under Billy Bean? I'm telling you right now, hell no. Heads would roll. I don't care what you think about Billy, but Billy Bean as a person is such good people. You think if one of his players was was yelling at Susan Slusser, who he has a wonderful relationship with, Let's say you had a couple female writers and Susan's there and Billy Bean found out one of his assistant GMs is yelling, I'm so blanking glad we got Asuna, and he was doing that to Susan, that guy would be fired so fast it would be unbelievable. I'm sorry to harp on this so much, but I, I just, it fries me. And they just keep, they just keep screwing it up. They just keep screwing it up. You go from lying in a press release to then just trying to back it up a little bit. The next, Today, it's he said, she said. No, it's not. Too many people were there and saw it. We had the commissioner on. I told you, I like Manfred. I want to see what he does with this. I really do. This is going to be something that if it's done right, will change the other 29 teams. Seriously. If you start having people suspended, fired, like what A.J. Hinch said, no one should ever come into our clubhouse and feel uncomfortable or not safe. He's dead on. This may change. I mean, if, 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 if people, because this guy could lose his career. I'll tell you what, a guy that acts like that, I would not have him run my franchise. I don't care how much data he crushes. He's not professional. He doesn't understand management. But if people lose their, if we got suspensions and we got people losing jobs, I'm telling you this right now, this will send a shockwave around baseball. Where people will know, uh, just because I'm in my little clubhouse, I don't have complete control over everybody. I can't bully people. I can't treat people like crap. Like it's happened countless times. You want to go back to Bobby Benia? Make your move. Or he's trying to threaten to fight. How about this year? How about earlier this year with the New York Mets? We went through this with the Mets. Jason Vargas and Tim Healy and, and our guy Mickey Calloway. Yeah, Jason Vargas is threatening to fight the media guy. He gets traded to Philly and Mickey Calloway's out, so Tim Healy won. I mean, think about that. We're professionals going into the clubhouse and you got young men want to threaten you to fight. Like, at what point does this need to stop? At what point is this totally unprofessional? This has been going on for a long time. Well, you know what? It needs to stop, and maybe this is it. 
Maybe everybody's going to learn, you know what? You have to act like a professional and not a spoiled brat. And no matter how good you are, player, front office, you're not above being professional. They could be like Buster Olney, friend of the program, said today on his podcast, there's probably going to be some really big fines. There's going to be discipline and Major League Baseball. He used the word he heard because Buster's there in Houston. He's on the broadcast. Buster heard Major League Baseball. He used the word livid. They're livid. And how would you not be? You're supposed to be celebrating this great World Series between these two great teams. And really two great stories. The Astros, 107 wins. Look at the Nationals, one of the great comebacks. What were they, 19-31? and 31? And then just got hot and won the wild card game and took down the Dodgers? I mean, this is, they swept the Cardinals. We should be celebrating this. Instead, this is the story right now. I bet what they're going to do, though, they're going to do the investigation and they're going to get out of Houston, going to go to D.C., but you can't let this linger. You can't. I mean, even, even MLB Network yesterday had to address it. You know, they're owned by Major League Baseball. They're, they're, their, sole, their sole responsibility is to promote the game of baseball, and every single show had to address it because A.J. Hinch had to address it. Are they going to sit on their hands and wait till after the World Series and then throw down the hammer? Because they will throw hammers down on organizations. You remember the St. Louis Cardinals when they were cheating? The Astros, they were hacking into the Astros' computers. Remember that? They came down on them hard. And I expect that to happen here. I also expect another great game tonight. Houston is not hitting, folks. How about this? The Astros, from the start of the ALCS and through game one of the World Series, are hitting 138 with runners in scoring position. 138. You kind of wonder how the hell they beat the Yankees. 138 with runners in scoring position in the last seven games? Bregman can't hit. Bregman's talking about going home sleeping with his bat. It's so bad. I'm not going to be shocked Nationals win tonight and they're up 2-0 heading home. Strasburg is pitching the best he has in his career. And you're going up against Verlander. Star power on the mound. I I don't know. I didn't I didn't see ratings, but I just I, I I hope it takes. Plus, you're starting on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. You're not going up against football, which is great. I just hope that there it shows a lot of star power and a lot of people are enjoying this because last night's game was a hell of a game. It was. It was a great game. And I what I saw on Twitter, if I saw it correctly, someone tweeted out that. The ratings in the Bay Area doubled that of the Lakers-Clippers NBA game last night. That was oh, the season hey, debut. Let me tell you something. Start, start of the NBA, I could care less. That's LeBron and Kawhi. By the way, 
Um, I could care less. The NBA, and even though I covered the Warriors for years, the NBA even tells you that their game doesn't matter until Christmas. Christmas. Like we're just gonna be on the cable network. We're not. We'll we'll, we'll go national when we hit Christmas. I mean, I'll say this too: baseball starting in March. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. The these leagues are starting because we got to give the players so many days off. These leagues are starting way too early. I mean, the NBA to me should start after Halloween. Baseball should start in April. You wonder why? Hey, you, you wonder why you have issues with with weather? Because you're starting baseball in March. That's insane. Coming up next, an article came out, and it's really tough for Commander Cody. It really is, and he sent it to me, and I think we might be changing our younger baseball fans. Just might. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty, getting you ready for game two of the World Series, Strasburg and Verlander. As I told you, game one winner has won 18 of the last 22 World Series. And we're seeing a little bit of a trend. And I don't know why. We gotta get we gotta get Brian Kenny back on. I don't know why. Like he is so into like every show. Like I watched the show yesterday, and they started the show MLB Now, and they started the show, and it was like he it's become an act. Like, they're, oh, great starting pitching. Like, he was disappointed that it wasn't going to be bullpen games. It's like, it's like, dude, what, what, what's wrong with you? But Ken Rosenthal wrote an article on The Athletic yesterday, and he battles Brian all the time. And he said this, and, and it's so true. It's not a selfish opinion. It's also the opinion of decision makers at the game's highest level, both in labor and management. Bullpen games are interesting. High-speed games of checkers and a sport that more frequently resembles chess. But most relievers, this is is where he nails it, but most relievers are relatively faceless, unknown to the average fan. In an entertainment industry, star power matters. Star power sells. Yet baseball, for reasons not entirely in its control, is not developing enough marquee starting pitchers. And I was thinking about this article. Because, Cody... You read Brian Kinney's book, and, and you, you've you been buying into this whole uh, bullpenning because what does bullpen mean? Bullpen means basically uh, guys that you don't have to pay a lot of money. It's what it ends up being. The Rays have championed it, but, yes, it's essentially what it is. Yeah, you you, you, you end up because, because, let's face it, guys like, you know, they're talking about Cole's going to make $40 million, $35 million a year. 
You know, these a lot of great pitchers make over $20 million a year. And when you go with just bullpen arms, and everybody's going to be a bullpen arm, those guys are all making the minimum. But you know what, though? You know what it tells me? It tells me you, you, you don't want to win the World Series. Well, let me take that back. World Series is not your goal. Now, there's certain teams, and I think the Rays are this team. I think the Rays are content, make the playoffs, low payroll, everybody pat you on the back, and you're good. Their goal really isn't to win the World Series because you're not going to win the World Series that way. You're not going to go through rounds of the playoffs where we're just going to throw a bunch of bullpen arms out at you. It's just it's it's too many guys having to get high leverage outs. Let's face it, the good starter has better stuff for a longer period. A lot of these guys can only get three outs. Well, as we as what we saw with the A's in the wild card game last year. Look how many guys you counted on getting these tough outs. Someone's going to fail more times than not. If you throw out, I don't know, eight, nine pitchers, odds are one of them's going to give it up, maybe even two. So the trend may be coming back where everybody's starting to realize because the number 42% of the innings pitched by bullpens this year, four straight years, that's increased. But when you look at the Nationals, and you look at the Astros, these guys are built on starters and starters giving you quality innings. This postseason, there's been 18 starts of 101-plus pitches. You only had three of those last year. That's a big change. I Just think about that. We saw 15 200-inning pitchers this season. That's actually up. From last year. We're talking about we're not even going to see people pitch 200. Well, I don't know if that's going to work for you. We're starting to see more innings come from the guys who start the game. There were only 1,028 starts in the regular season this year that win at least 101 pitches. It needs it. You need to get more innings out of your. Put it this way. If you want to live by the whole you can't get through the third time through the lineup, how many people can live by that and win a World Series? That's going to be the mantra heading into, we'll talk to Scott Emerson about this later on today. Commander, this is going to be our mantra in spring training. It's going to be the whole offseason. I don't want to hear about wild card game. I don't want to hear about division. you got to... You need to talk about how do you win the World Series. That's the goal. I told you. Bill Romanowski, my old partner on Raiders, four-time Super Bowl champion, talked about how when he showed up to the San Francisco 49ers and Bill Walsh, they weren't talking about, hey, let's just win the division. Hey, let's just – no, their goal was the Super if, if your goal is not the World Series and your goal is just to make it to the playoffs, well, once you make the playoffs, you've achieved your goal. The goal has to be like the Yankees. Aaron Judge said it perfectly. It's a, fail, it's a failed season. Now, if the A's went to the ALCS, everybody would be giddy. 
We have to stop having that mentality. The players cannot have that mentality. You need to have Aaron Judge's mentality. We lost in the ALCS. Season was a failure. I agree with you. That needs to change. And going back to starting pitching, I actually saw in a – I did research and I saw in an article that through October of this year, pitchers were actually doing better the third time through the order. So that's starting to trend upwards. And you're seeing now – Next year, with the the rule coming in that you have to face three batters, you got to use your starters more. You can't just have for the for the Rays. You can't have Oliver Drake come in and pitch to a left-handed batter, then take him out and bring in someone else, and then take that guy out and bring in another guy. That, Oliver Drake has to face three batters. You know, Liam Hendricks will have to face three batters. Well, he's the closer, so that's a bad example. But Jake Diekman will have to face three batters. Like, the, I think we're going to see a lot more innings pitched by starting pitchers next year, and I'm starting to buy into it because you're starting to see these bullpens fall apart where. Flash forward or back backtrack ten years ago. What were the Rays doing? They're pitching David Price out of the bullpen. Flash forward ten years, their starters are only going four or five innings, or they're starting guys to start games. So they keep constantly changing the trend, and now we're seeing it go back to starting pitching. Where now the Rays, who don't have a lot, they have a lot of guys at Tommy John. We say this all the time. They're the team you have to watch next year on how their bullpen performs. That's what they did this year. Well, the thing for them is Snell, Glass now, and Charlie Morton all healthy. Now they're going to have three legit starting pitchers. They won't have to use the bullpen as much. But I think Rosenthal's argument, like, put it this way. I'm not trying to be mean, but a lot of shows on MLB Network, they don't get ratings. And that's why I remember we had Eric Burns on. And I'm like, hey, you're always on that show, but why do they take that show off for spring training games? Like a, a random Phillies taking on the Red Sox in a spring training game where you don't know who any of these guys are, right? There's not, He goes, because it gets way better ratings. So that's why when, when MLB Now doesn't get ratings, but Brian Kenny is like just fascinated by the Rays, well, the Rays don't get ratings either. No one's fascinated about the Rays. No one shows up to their games. No one cares. And the style of baseball, I love in this article, most relievers are relatively faceless, unknown to the average fan. So running out, the Brewers and the Rays in September, running out a bazillion relievers, that's not entertaining to people. I was going to say, do you know what Oliver Drake looks like? How about Chaz Rowe? How about any of the guys besides Josh Hader from the Brewers? We don't know what any of these guys look like. Angel Pagan. I even forgot what he looked like, and he played for the A's. Emilio Pagan. Emilio Pagan. Hey, Angel, he was the hey, guy. He was, hey, he had a really good season, quietly. And well, Yeah, he did. But, yeah, like a lot of these – you don't know who they are. If, it, if it's not – the reason why people know who Diego Castillo is is because he, he throws a wicked slider and, and a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Walk, he's walking down the street and no one knows who he is. Oh, no, but they don't even know who he is in St. Pete. I don't I, even think I have to rate, have his teammates know yeah. who he is. Yeah, that, that, you know what? The number one thing is we need to entertain. We, need, we, want, we want baseball fans coming to the yard, having a good time. you got to be entertained. And the the craziness of throwing nine, you know, what was there, 24 pitchers in one game? The Giants, who were the Giants? Was it the Red Sox and the Giants? It was Red Sox and Giants, but I think that record got broken by the Red Sox, or the Giants and Rockies, I think, used 25. Well, we saw the other night, the other day, 
last week in the postseason game where the Yankees and Astros used nine different or uh, fifteen different pitches in a postseason game. And it's four out four and a half hours. How about the game Saturday night, the bullpen day, where I'm I'm, I'm sure Brad, uh, Brad Peacock could want more than an, an inning. He I mean he was closing out games for the the Astros two years ago in the World Series. So to have him only go one inning was a little that was a farce. Oh, but. I knew it was late because we were we were out in Green Bay when the walk off happened. It was late. You talking about the Altuve one? Yeah, yeah, that was. It was Saturday night, right? Yeah, yeah that was Saturday a, night. the game was almost four hours long, which I was going to text you like, "Hey, another four hour game," but I knew you were, you know, a couple hours ahead in, in Green Bay, so if we, there's no chance it you was were going to. It was late. There was no chance you were responding to me at that time. Oh, I was actually next to an Astro. So we ran into so on on one side of a uh, Lambeau Field. It's called Mike Holmgren, former Bay Area, uh, great. Uh, Mike Holmgren Way, and they got all these bars and restaurants. And we were actually in a bar, me and my best friend, and the guy next to me was in a orange Astros jersey. So once he, once the home run was hit, this guy went ballistic. I mean, he's the only Astros fan in Green Bay. He went. I ended up buying him shots. Oh, it was great. It was absolutely great. All right. Coming up next on A's Cast Live, we are going to hang out with Mr. Pig Jig himself. I got a song for that. I got a song for that. The COO of your Oakland Athletics will be talking about offseason and what the A's are doing to get you into the ballpark. That's all coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty, we got a treat for you. As COO of the Athletics, Chris Giles is with us. And I can tell you, Mr. Pig Jig, uh, the performance that you put on at San Jose Municipal uh, and the barbecue contest was very legit. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I enjoy playing very much. Yeah, no, it's uh, – when did you get – when did you get into it? Like, because like, I think for a lot of people, they need to understand, like, you're up on stage. This is a concert. This isn't just like, you know, karaoke. I mean, you got your own songs. I mean, it's the real deal. It's been most of my life. I played uh, drums in a band in high school. Uh, we did kind of a mini California tour in the time in between shows. Uh, my good buddy, our guitar player, taught me how to play guitar. Um, and I've just loved music my whole life. I, I spend... Uh, you know, a lot of my free time when I'm not with the uh, team or with the family, uh, writing songs. I've got a couple of good buddies that uh, we get together and write, actually doing a three-day songwriting retreat in early November. It's just uh, something I love to do. And we've been joking, and I got a song for that. <laughs> <laughs> so A's Access obviously is a big hit. A's Access is something that you have multiple franchises, not only in Major League Baseball, 
but also in other sports, calling you, asking about it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's your it's your pet project. What's it been like for you to to watch it grow? It's been special. I mean, we uh, we thought it was a little crazy two years ago when we started to you know bring the idea through the conception phase into actually how we were going to implement it. Um, but our fan base has really reacted in a way that you know is telling us that this is uh, or could be the model of the future. I actually just did an interview this morning. Um, with a Cleveland newspaper uh, because the Cavaliers uh, are launching a, a similar program to A's Access. Yeah, I mean, it really is the future of how people want to attend sporting events, and that, and, and it's a membership. And like anything else, whether it's like a gym membership or it's a country club membership, you can come and go as you please. And I think fans really like, like, I can't tell you how many times being up in the treehouse for every single game, Somebody will be like, during the day game, oh, yeah, I took off from work. I want to come to watch a couple innings, have a beer, have a hot dog, and then I'm going back to work. I mean, that was really the premise is how can we as an organization differentiate the member experience from just someone who goes on to StubHub and buys a ticket for the game? Um, and it really did start with, you know, concepts like how do country clubs do it? How do gyms do it? How, you know, we even looked at software as a service companies. But it really is things like, you know, the half-off concessions. Like, we threw that in there as kind of a last-minute, like, hey, I think this will move the needle, too. We do all the survey research. That is very top. Like we oh, did, yeah. We did the parade the, the last game, you know, for Fan Appreciation Weekend. I don't know how many people said thanks for the half-off beer when I met them. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. Like, someone's like, yeah, I spent $4. I'm like, You'd have to go back to, like, the early 90s the last time you saw a $4 beer at a game. At the NBA Finals, I'll never forget this, I'm walking down the corridor, and there's a line, and you got a plastic cup that said NBA Finals. It was a Budweiser plastic cup for $18. Eight times, like, you got to be kidding me. So that's, you know, because that's the thing about, Chris, a membership is a membership is you get deals. Well, and, and it's it's not just the sum of the parts. Like, what we wanted to get out of is, like, it's not that just you get a better value on tickets. It's that you get access to see locations that no one else does. It's that you get, you know, a much better deal on food and beverage, much better deal on concessions. A lot of our membership include f- free parking. It's really just thinking about, you know, we got 81 games. It's a lot of games. Like, we don't really hide from that at all. Um and in order to go to those games, you know, all of those little expenses add up. So what we wanted to do is build a program that just looked at those experiences holistically and gave people a great deal and just said thank you for being a member. All right, let's go over the deal once again for, for people who are listening here on A's Cast Live. Uh, A's Access, when, so I want to be a member. I sign up. How are we doing this? So let's just take one step back and think about the components of the membership. The easiest way to think about it is it's threefold. The base component, every single membership includes general admission access to all 81 regular season games. Then in addition to that, you can select a seat location from anywhere between 10 to 81 games. So that is a reserve seat location that you get for a subset of games. And then the third component is all of those discounts. So you get half off concessions, 25% off merchandise, you get to go to cool events, you know, we've got, uh, you know, $10 parking. Some of them include full season parking hang tags. So the easiest way to think about the program is really those three elements. 
And we got an event tonight here. After we get done with this show, Marcus Simeon and I are going to be watching the World Series with some potential A's Access members. So there's going to be a lot of different events that when you sign up, you get to do stuff. You get to be one of the cool kids. You get to do stuff that the average fan doesn't get to do. Yeah, and we're going to be holding a bunch of – we do these uh, really cool breakfast and baseball events where we take uh, the guys' clubhouse, we clear out all their stuff and uh, leave their lockers, but we set up tables and we uh, we have breakfast in there. It's usually uh, me and a player you know, talking to, to prospective members. Um, if anyone's interested in getting involved in one of those events, uh, 510-638-GO-A's um, is the A's Access Hotline. Any one of our members can get you set up to attend one of those. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of access, getting into the clubhouse. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, traditionally nobody gets to do. Uh, I can't wait. Happy hour with the front office and, and A's alumni. And that's the thing that, that that I love about what you have done and, and, you know, what Dave's doing with the stadium. But the fact that this is a fan base that needed to have somebody get back and tell them, that 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 you love them, that you want them around, that you want them to be here, and that's one thing that I think what what you guys are doing with with repairing the brand and, and really reaching out to the fans because I've had you know some of the most critical fans that I've known over the years have basically said I got nothing to complain about anymore. I love hearing that. I mean, that's when we think about what we set out to do. It is really to just reinvigorate, revitalize this fan base. We feel like we have such a special product on the field. Um, you know, next year we're going to have you know that starting pitching rotation added into the mix from day one. I'm really excited about the trajectory of the team and want to make sure that you know if we're going to put a great product on the field that we can back that up with a great membership experience as well. Yeah, you think back-to-back years of winning 97 games. And we're going to have Scott Emerson on a little bit later here. The depth in the pitching staff for next year, not only for the big club, but also down in Las Vegas. There's so many good arms. You know what? I don't want to talk about wild card anymore. I'm not talking about division. I think you need to talk about World Series. And I really think they're going to have the kind of depth and the type of talent that you can talk about World Series. I'm not afraid to do that. I just don't want to talk about wild card again. No, I, I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> I, I I've seen that. I've done that. I never want to see. I never want to be a part of that again. But but the but this is going to be a fun off season just because you know how good the team can be. Yeah, absolutely. And and we actually just last week uh, surpassed twenty thousand A's access members, which we were really excited about. Um, before we launched the program, we had just about 9,000. So, you know, the fan base is really rallying around this team. It's just so rewarding to see them do so. So how many can you sell? That, I mean, that's a question that uh, – that's like a champagne problem question. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, once we get into the, you know, 50,000, 60,000 range, you know, we got to start looking at, you know, capacity for general admission access and a lot of those things. Um you know, what we do now is for the games like the Giants series where we know we're going to sell out, we actually reserve general admission seating for the A's access members just to ensure that anyone that does show up uh, without a reserve seat and their A's access badge um, can still have a great experience. And you talk about experience. You know, it's something that we saw the Giants actually do when they were leaving Candlestick is before they left Candlestick, they, they put money into it and fixed it up before they were going to move to the new ballpark. And I think that's one of the fun things. You know, it started with the treehouse, which I appreciate. I love being there. And then all of a sudden you started doing all these other different spots that the Coliseum doesn't look the same anymore. 
I mean, what we're finding out and what we're learning game in and game out is that people want different experiences. And so um, our goal is to really build an environment where it's a little bit of a choose your own adventure for the game. If you want to go sit in a reserve seat close to home plate, we got a product for you. If you want something that's much more of a fun bar atmosphere overlooking the, the ballpark, we got an experience for you. If you want to bring your little ones and have much more flexible seating, kind of like lawn seating, we've got an experience for you there as well. And something that you have talked a lot about, and I know Dave has talked about it also, is, and I saw it in Minnesota, Target Field. There are so many areas in Target Field where you can just stand and watch the game, where you're not in your seat. I mean, they actually have like a sports bar in left field, but you can walk all around the stadium, and they have railings everywhere. So if I ever just want to, I just want to be here for an inning, or I want to, you know, I get to move around. I think, I think now that I've heard you guys talk about it, and I've seen it now in Minnesota. Yes, we as fans like to move around instead of just sitting in the exact same spot for three and a half hours. I think there's two things. One, like the traditional like linear setup of seating requires us all to sit shoulder to shoulder. And we've all experienced that you can talk to the person on your right, you can talk to the person on your left, and that's it. Um, what we're finding, and, and really I always go back to this, uh, we did a focus group last year and a guy said, you know, the, the moderator asked everyone, like, describe your ideal baseball experience. And this guy said something that stuck with me. He said, my ideal experience is a food tour meets bar hopping at a baseball game. And if you think about what that means, it means I want to have different locational experiences. I want to have different food and beverage experiences. I want to be able to encounter new people. I want to be able to hang out with larger groups of people. And as you think about trying to apply that to a traditional ballpark setup where we're all sitting in these linearly organized seats, like very difficult to do. And so I think um, what that gentleman said really stuck with me as we think about what the future of baseball is and really trying to deliver that food tour meets bar hopping at a baseball game experience. And, And as the New York Times said, the Coliseum, the last dive bar in Major League Baseball. I took that as a compliment, right? Who doesn't like a dive bar? I've heard that people call the Treehouse the best dive bar in Oakland. I mean, it's. I, we were talking about, hey, this postseason run was going to go on, what we could do with the Treehouse uh, with all the road games. But it's, it's, it's fun again to go to the Coliseum because it's like, what's the best way to put it? It's like everything is starting to pair with each other. It's like the front office, ownership, the team. It's like everybody, for the first time in a long time, is pulling on the same rope. The ship's all going in one direction. I mean, you guys got to be feeling that. Oh, it's and it's so much fun, too. I mean, I feel like uh, people are giving us the positive feedback that we need from the initiatives that we're putting forth. Um, we're, getting, we're continuing to grow. We know that it, when we new, move into a new ballpark, we need to have grown the fan base on average 10,000 a game. We've sold, you know, the equivalent of about 3,500 new full season equivalent memberships. You know, so we're well on our way of reaching that goal before 2023. Yeah, because, you know, next year we're expecting some big things. So we want to make sure that the ballpark is going to be packed. Can you tell us, I, I know you're going to do some, you know, because the stadium's all going to be yours. You know, that that's something that. You know, people are now going to really start to realize Warriors are gone. They're in San Francisco. Coming up here, the Raiders are going to be in Las Vegas. You're going to be the last team. So now this stadium, you can do anything you want with the stadium. Do we have new stuff coming this season? 
Uh, we do. We have not narrowed down exactly what we're going to do. We've got it down to a short list. Um, we're going to do some fun things to get some feedback on uh, the improvements, but but we're going to do some things, yes. Because that, that, that's, that's one thing I noticed from everybody that they appreciate so much is just, you know, flexibility of be able to say, okay, if I want to get a hot dog, I can get a hot dog. But if I want to go down and do Streets of Soul at a food truck, I want the, the options are a big thing for people, especially when you go to a lot of games. Yeah, that Streets of Soul food truck's pretty good, by the way. Oh, it's, it's and Southern <laughs> Comfort. I love the guy. Southern Comfort, it's like, I mean, that's the thing. It's like going down, you know, for people like ourselves are like at every single game for us that we have these type of options it's it's really one of the best things that love the baseball but the food trucks has been a great idea yeah i mean we, we have to be careful because 81 games of ballpark food or 81 games of food truck will uh, catch up with you but uh i always have the uh the food or the uh vegetable tray delivered to my uh box as well so i can make sure you know mix in a couple healthy things so what is the off season like for you as coo of the a's well, it was. It's been mopping up the tears for the past, uh, you know, few weeks. But uh, now it's time to get back to work. Um, you know, I think as we move away from, uh, you know, a disappointing wild card loss, you, you gain perspective of all the things that that we accomplish. And it really is about um, thinking about how we want to improve the experience next year. Um, a lot of our time and energy is spent on the new ballpark and developing that experience. We've got. Um, our partners from BRK Ingalls Group in the office today. We're actually going to spend the entire afternoon uh, working on the ballpark design. Uh, and so I would say, you know, my time split, you know, 50-50 between, you know, really kind of the ballpark design and, and the membership model of the future, but also getting ready for 2020. So how much fun is it designing a ballpark? That's just got to be incredible. It's fun. I mean, and especially in the environment where we have a ballpark now, and we can try things. I mean, we often we often talk about the Coliseum as our new ballpark petri dish, um, but you know we have some crazy ideas, and then we go and build them, and we see if they work, and then you know we do it all again the next year. Well, that's the one good thing too about you guys is that you'll try something, and if it doesn't work, hey, at least you tried it. So many people are scared to fail, but if you if you, you're never going to truly succeed unless you learn from failures. Yeah, I always say fail at the small stakes poker table. So what we want to do is try things at the Coliseum, understand what works and what doesn't. What we don't want to do, you know, is build something in a brand new ballpark that doesn't work. So we we try to, you know, test as many things as we can in our current environment. It's like back in the day when they had the $5 blackjack table. You want to be at the $5. If you're going to, you yeah, don't want to be exactly. at the high stakes. That's you want right. to be at the $5. Well, we appreciate the time. Um, and let's do this more often because I know the one thing, transparency has been so big between you and Dave and the fan and the fact that you know fans get up they want updates they want to know what's going on they want to know what's just not with the team they want to know what's going on with the ballpark what's going to happen with the stadium next season they they love hearing from you guys well thank you very much i really enjoyed it let's do it again you're the best thank you my man coo chris giles of your oakland athletics right here on a's cast live now back to a's cast live here's chris townsend Brad Lidge, former Astro, former closer, is going to join us coming up here at 2.30 as we'll continue to get ready for Game 2 of the World Series. So Lidge is now doing Sirius XM MLB Network Radio. Is he going to be in Houston, Commander, for this game? 
He didn't say, so I don't know if they're just doing it from the studio. I know that obviously MLB Network TV is there, but I haven't seen a lot of guys from the radio side of it there. I know Jim Duquette, who's going to join us next week. I believe he's in New York, or he's still in um, D.C. where they do the studio show. So I'm not sure if Lidge will be there. He's a really spotty texter. So when he told me he'd come on, I, I said, okay, here's the time. He got back to me five hours later. So here's to hoping he picks up when we call, which I'm sure he will because he told me last week he wanted to come on. Well, looking forward to it. How about the Chicago Cubs? The Chicago Cubs did exactly what everybody said they were going to do. They hired David Ross. Ross was just in that clubhouse winning a World Series with some of these guys. And it makes you think of what happened with Joe Girardi back in the day, where Joe Girardi had played with a bunch of guys he was going to manage. That can work out phenomenal, or that could be a total disaster. Because what it sounded like, it sounded more like in Chicago, they just didn't need a new voice. It sounded like they needed somebody who can kick them in the you-know-what. And that's where I, I fall back on. That is, that, that, that's tough to do when, when, you know, when you've been traveling with these guys and you've been out drinking with these guys and you won a World Series together. But Ross Mosley is a tough guy. So we'll see how that works out. But this is the new trend. You don't have to have experience. And one of the reasons why you don't have to have experience is because the front office tells you everything you need to know. What your real job is now for a lot of these guys getting in with no experience is you're getting hired because they think you can relate to the modern-day player. See, there's, there, there's certain guys, I would say Joe Madden's like this, now with the Angels, and I really think the model, the perfect guy, is a guy like Bob Melvin. A guy that understands analytics, knows how to apply analytics, works really well with the front office, but yet then still has the great relationship with the players. That's not easy to find. Hey, there's a reason why before Aaron Boone was hired, you know where the Yankees came, Colin? Right here. The Yankees wanted to interview Bob Melvin, and the A's denied it. He had just signed a contract extension. So, yeah, the Yankees were coming after Bob Melvin because they understand. You got to be the thing that you got to be able to handle the analytics, you got to be able to deal with the media. But most importantly now, you have to be able to handle the players. See, because some of these managers now, they have absolutely, like, no say. I find it kind of sad, but it's just a reality. Like Kevin Cash of the Rays, he's basically told every move what to do. His job is get the players to buy in. I mean, that's what's going to happen in Chicago is they're going to they're going to tell David Ross on a daily basis. This is the lineup you should use. This is how you should use your pitchers. Can he get the buy in? 
You know, it's just just different theories. I mean, Aaron Boone has done I this year I think Aaron Boone has to be manager of the year. For what he did in New York with all the I mean, you talk about all the injuries. Sporting News tweeted out earlier, I believe they gave out their manager of the award, manager of the year award, and I believe I saw that Kevin Cash got the Sporting News AL manager of the year award. Once again, he's told everything what to do. A lot of I mean did you have you heard? Do you know about that? I mean, you're a big baseball fan. Do you know that that Kevin Cash does not make independent moves like at all? I've heard that before, but I've like I've heard people say that before, and you could tell some of the stuff with Cash because it's all about matchups, and and they have the they have uh, Jay Money, the guy that we tried to make a friend of the program that hasn't come to fruition yet. We've got to find. We've got to get him on the. So Jay Money is the analytics. So he he's a data cruncher who went from the front office to in the dugout in uniform. And we were wondering, how's this going to work? You know, because if, if Jay, Jay Money, that's their nickname for him, and the reason why he's Jay Money is because he's got all the answers, so they say he's money. <laughs> but if he's saying that you need to come out and you shouldn't hit, was there going to be some players upset with that? Not the case. They love. But then again, you got a bunch of guys not making any money. You got a bunch of guys making the league minimum. Is that going to work with an established team? Like, could you have a numbers cruncher in the dugout in Houston? You know, Washington and Houston are are two veteran clubs. They're veteran clubs. I don't know if that'd work. Would that work in New York? Uh, I don't think so. I, I just think that Aaron Boone's done a great job. You're right, and he should be the manager of the year. For what they did with all the injuries where, you know, John Carlos Santon barely played, Judge was hurt, they used the IAL more than I think any team in baseball. They they uh, count on their bullpen more than any team in baseball pretty much besides the Rays. Uh, I think he gets he gets a lot of credit, and you're seeing a lot of these guys. What are these guys that are getting hired? What do they have in common? A lot of them used to be TV analysts. David Ross, Aaron Boone, Alex Cora. Mark DeRosa, who yesterday said on the movie network, he hasn't got a call yet this year, which I found fascinating. You, you buy that? I do and I don't. I don't because I bet you someone is definitely going to call him. Are we going to go millennial technology here to try and get Brad Lidge? He gave me the thumbs up emoji, so I'm thinking he's going to be good here. Okay. So this is the technology we we use. You actually get to hear the phone call, which is different from traditional terrestrial radio. Do we have Brad? How you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics. I'm doing. I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Oh, we're doing wonderful, especially after Game One. That was uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. That are, are you actually down in Houston right now? No, I'm in uh, Colorado. I'm in Colorado. I do the uh, I do the Sirius XM radio show uh, from my house in Colorado. But yeah, that's uh, that's where that's where I grew up, and that's where my family's at. So. Yeah, when you're doing the show from home, it doesn't get any better than that. I'll tell you what, man, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. So <laughs> I I'm, love I'm it. entrenched. So I had to ask you, as a guy that, you know, World Series champion, you've been an all-star, uh, you, you, you played for the Astros, just, just watching the matchup of star pitchers again, when we're so into this bullpenning thing, how just great is it to see star starting pitchers going in game one, going in game two, and, and how good it is for the game? 
you know, honestly, it's it, it's so great to watch because, I mean, we get so locked into 2019 and all the home runs that are happening and, and how that just kind of becomes the theme of the year is just home runs and, and offense and everything else. And all of a sudden now we get these incredible pitchers and, um, you know, even if there are a couple long ball shots, which inevitably there will be because you got, you know, the, the Astros are going to hit some home runs. The Nationals will too. But you at least get some great starting pitching and, uh, you know, you can really appreciate that aspect of the game. It's like almost you're always wanting to cheer for offense all year, but now in the, in the playoffs you remember, oh, yeah, great starting pitching is what wins. And you have an effort like Max Scherzer did where even if he doesn't have his best command and, and location, he's still able to grind out five innings and, and, uh, and get a win, and that is part of great starting pitching. So I love watching it. And then tonight we get another bonus uh, with, uh, with Strauss and Verlander. Uh, you played in that ballpark. Soto's home run up in the train tracks from a left-handed hitter. You ever seen that before? I, I So I was talking about this on the radio show today. I've literally never seen anything like that before, not from any left-handed hitter. Uh, believe me, I've given up uh, you know, a home run up on those train tracks, a pretty famous one. But but I've never but that was a right hand that was Albert Pools. I mean the guy's got endless power and he's right handed and he pulled it so I can see that. But seeing a left handed hitter go up there that who by the way chokes up on the bat an inch or two every time he steps up in the box, I had never seen anything like that. Never in my time in Houston had I seen a lefty go up there, uh, and I don't remember ever seeing a game where a lefty did. You know after I retired, so uh, that was extraordinarily impressive. And I I, I have to tell you. People that have you know watched Bryce Harper and all the opposite field power that he has over his career, uh, they they say Soto's got every bit of that, and uh, obviously he has like ridiculous discipline to kind uh, to uh, kind of combine with that uh, massive power package. And he's only twenty years old. And he's only twenty. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's look, it's just one of those deals where you can't teach it. It's just it's a gift uh, from from God, and he just he's able to. Um, understand the, such a mature – I mean, a lot of times you don't see 30, 31, 32-year-olds understand the strikes and like that, even the good ones. Um, but to be 20 years old and to have that discipline, uh, to know what to do with the baseball, to be able to rela- react as the ball gets kind of deep but still have the power to drive it out the other way, um, I, I don't know. I mean, he's uh, – you know, we, we talk about these once-in-a-generation players – uh, he, he, I think he might be that guy. I think he might top anybody we're seeing in the game right now when he, you know, as far as offense goes, when he gets going in his prime. And something we've seen the last couple of years, and I like seeing it, is when we start seeing starters come out of the bullpen, guys that can really give you length and flip over a lineup. That's been a trend that I've enjoyed. How about you? Oh, for sure. I, and I think the one thing is that, you know, they definitely uh, – not everyone's going to go out there and have success right away. Um, it, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, when you do put those great starters, those aces out there in the bullpen, it is really fun to watch them come in and do their thing and most of the time blow down the other hitters. But certainly, you know, listen, the, the first couple outings Patrick Corbin had coming out of that bullpen uh, against the Dodgers, they weren't necessarily great or stellar. He kind of had to learn what he was doing. Uh, obviously, we saw Clayton Kershaw come out of the bullpen, and, and that did not work out well for the Dodgers. So, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And a lot of times those starters, it's hard to understand and remember that you've got to come out of that bullpen 110% with your absolute best put-away pitches right away. There's no room for error, and there's no time to kind of throw a get-me-over breaking ball. Everything has to be precise and sharp. And uh, when those great starters go out there and they're able to be that way coming out of the bullpen, they're a lot of fun to watch. And I think about those last outs, whether you're Doolittle or Hudson, 
Those are th- those outs are so tough to get the drama at end of games, like it's five to four. Uh, talk about just how tough it is to close those final outs out in in World Series or playoff uh, games. Well, I, I mean, listen, this has to close out during the regular season because when the ninth inning rolls around, every offense that's going against you knows it's its last opportunity. So all of a sudden, the at bats they have uh, are, are as, you know they're. Every bit of focus they have, they're fouling off pitches. Nobody wants to be the last guy out in a game. And uh, when you're in a World Series, it just becomes that much more intense, that much more focused. And uh, I think that for me, you know, look, this is going to be a, a tough World Series for, uh, you know, for Osuna, for Doolittle. Doolittle did a fantastic job with, with hardly any room for air last night. But it's going to be tough for these guys because at the end of the day, the Houston Astros can do a lot of things to beat you. They, they of course, will go for the long ball. Uh, but you've got there's a few little features of fastball that he throws 88% of the time. Uh, Asuna on the other end, he's a great pitcher. I think he's a great closer. But the Nationals do such a good job with two strikes and especially with two outs. So both teams, their offenses, that can do a lot against great closers. And obviously we already saw Altuve do that against Chapman. Oh, Altuve's so special, of course. We've been talking about how that guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. He's just such a special player. And they have so many good players on the Astros, and that's why it's shocking. If you go to the start of the ALCS through game one last night, they're just hitting a buck 38 with runners in scoring position. You know, after watching them all season long, it's hard to believe they've gone into a little bit of this offensive funk. Well, they have a little bit, and obviously, you know, I think it's it's clear that Bregman is not his normal self right now. Uh, when he snaps out of it, I think I think that will be contagious for the whole lineup. But you know, the Astros look—they've been they've been going toe to toe with a lot of American League teams here in the postseason that are also long ball teams, and you kind of get in this mode where it's you know you're just kind of selling out for home runs, and, and and no team did that more than the Yankees, uh, who also struggled, you know, just trying to get singles and and, and do the little things right. But all of a sudden we see, you know, the Nationals come in and get those base hits and be tough with two outs and do those little things. And I think that the Astros maybe will start to remember by watching the Nationals that, oh, yeah, there's other ways to score runs besides the home run. They'll start getting the bat on the ball more, and that off, that offensive surge uh, will be easier. That average should start to go up. But they've got to get out of home run or nothing mode. And I think about the Washington Nationals, and we've seen this in the past once they started the wild card games. These teams that have been playing postseason baseball for the, like the last month of the season, then they win the wild card, then they win the division, then they win the league series. There's just something about a certain wild card team that catches that magic. They just become, why do they become so tough to beat? They are tough to beat. And, and I'll tell you, you know, as far as the Nationals go, um, they're not a team that had a lot of you know, margin for error in terms of this entire season. The Astros, um, you know, as soon as they got up as many games as they did, and, and the way they just clobbered people, and you know, they were winning games eight to one, seven to nothing. And you know, the Nationals never had that luxury. They, they didn't necessarily have an offense that was going to blow up and put up you know ten runs on everybody they faced. Uh, they had to play you know airtight defense. They had to do a great job with that bullpen in the second half. They had to have timely hitting, and, and no team. Uh, you know, had more scored more runs with two outs uh, in, in baseball than the Nationals did, and so they learned to kind of rely and depend on that formula. And uh, so, so coming in in the wild as the wild card team, they've already been doing that for a while. They, they've already been playing with uh, you know pretty airtight defense and everything else. And I, that's why I think a lot of times that wild card team is able to kind of continue that recipe and just take it through. 
Whereas the other teams that are maybe the offensive juggernauts during the season are kind of looking around and saying, well, we're facing good pitching. Who's going to step up? The Nationals don't have time to sit around and wait to see who's going to step up. They've been doing it for the last you know, month or two. They know everyone's going to step up and have good at-bats. And so they're just very comfortable playing in these tight games. Hey, we really appreciate the time and enjoy this. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're going to be doing this show throughout the offseason. We're going to be at the winter meetings in San Diego. We'd love to have you again and continued success with uh, joining the dark side, the media now. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, it, 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 the game is a heck of a lot easier on this side. I'll tell you what, man, it's, it's, it's easy to, be, to, to see where mistakes are made when you're, when you're actually not playing anymore. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is, it's a lot of fun, and I, I love being able to cover baseball and to, to stay in touch with it and to, you know, just kind of, uh, just kind of understand the game from a little bit different perspective right now and, and obviously, uh, you know, cheering for a lot of different guys. Uh, uh, you know, Ryan Zimmerman, my last year in D.C., 2012, got to play with Zimmerman and Strauss a little bit. So cheering for those guys, but, of course, uh, I got to play at the Astros too. So it's, uh, it's an amazing World Series. I'm thrilled to death that we're getting such great pitching. And uh, I'll be uh, I'll be glued to the TV tonight. Yeah, the good thing for you is after a show, you can just turn off the microphone, and there's going to be no media asking about the show. <laughs> exactly. No matter how many mistakes I make during a show, <laughs> it's like you can just turn it all off, and it goes away. It's pretty remarkable. <laughs> yes, I think uh, I think the media probably should be a little more accountable for mistakes here and there. But I'll tell you what, um, it, like I said, I, I am enjoying it on that side, and. And I know how much pressure these players are under, especially right now uh, during the World Series. So hopefully they're able to uh, to get some good night's sleeps. Good stuff. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Brad Lidge, World Series champion. Oh, I just got my notes. By the way, on this date in World Series history, not only is one of the great moments – but it's one of the great calls of all time. What was it? We'll tell you next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, I got my World Series notes. I got nuggets galore. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of the athletics, will join us at 3 o'clock. Did you know? Of the 25 teams to lose the first two games at home in a best-of-seven post-series using the current 2-3-2 format, only three have come back to win the series. Commander Cody, can you name one? The Astros in 2017. So it tells you the Astros need to win tonight. Yeah, because the Red Sox won the series 4-1 last year against the Dodgers, so they weren't one. We're, it, we're adding the Giants teams one of them. No. These are pretty historic teams. So, once again, 25 teams have lost the first two home games of a best-of-seven World Series using the current 2-3-2 format. All right, the only teams that go down 0-2, losing the first first two at home, and come back and win the series, had to be two were very controversial. The first was the 1985 Royals, who got that call in Game Six that they should have lost. 
if there was replay, Royals never win that World Series. And then the next year, the 1986 Mets. And that, of course, is the Bill Buckner in Game 6. The third is the 1996 Yankees referenced yesterday because of Soto's home run and how young he is, but he wasn't as young as Andrew Jones. And Andrew Jones hit two home runs in that game one. And the Yankees lost to the Braves two straight at Yankee Stadium, and then they would come back to win. So Houston, you better win tonight, or you're going to have to do something pretty historic. Because the Nationals, they've won 19 of their last 22 games dating back to the regular season. They've got a seven-game winning streak. Is this any good? Their ERA. Now, remember, they had the worst bullpen ERA for a team to qualify for the playoffs ever. Ever. Right? Or was it the second worst? I think it was the worst. I just remember they had the second worst bullpen ERA this year behind only the Orioles, and they had the second most blown saves in baseball. Yeah, so they have the bat. They had the worst ERA, bullpen ERA, ever heading into a playoffs. But right now, during their seven-game winning streak, the Washington Nationals have a 1.83 ERA. Wow. Now, here, here, here's, here's something to look at. Justin Verlander is 0-4 with a 5.67 ERA in five career World Series starts. But he still strikes a lot of people out. Verlander goes into tonight with 196 career postseason strikeouts, just three shy of John Smoltz for the most in postseason history. His 14 career postseason wins are also one shy of tying John Smoltz for second most all-time behind? Who has the all-time most wins in the postseason? It's a great question. That's uh, why you listen to the show. Is this an older? Is this an older guy, like older generation, or like more recent? Well, you can't go older because remember they didn't play as many games. So playoffs. So game. like, so put it this way: if they would add the same format, so this is the 115th World Series. If they would have had, in the last 114, if they would have had all the 3-2-3, three, three, and they would and you would have had all the different rounds of play, Whitey Ford would probably blow everybody away. Chairman of the board. But Whitey Ford only got to play in the World Series. They didn't play in the ALCS back in those days. If I had a guess, and this is a purely a guess, I don't know why his name came to mind, but I was going to say Andy Pettit. It is Andy Pettit. 19 wins. Who says I don't know about my baseball history? Well, because you got to think. He was on all those playoffs. It had to be a Yankee. He was on that Yankee team, but he was also on that Astros team that went to the World Series. Here's something for Verlander. I don't know if you have that in there. Verlander was going to start tonight at the age of 36. He started two games at the age of 23 in the World Series in 06. The last guy to start at least one game before turning 24 and after turning 36, Steve Carlton. So Verlander's only the second guy ever to do that. That's pretty impressive. I mean, Verlander, 
I hate the guy. <laughs> I mean, I hate the guy. I mean, he's got everything. He's got an MVP award. He's got a Cy Young. He's a scratch golfer. He's married to Kate Upton. Nobody should have life that good. Nobody. I hate him. John Smoltz is also, I believe, a scratch golfer as well. Uh, John Smoltz uh, qualified. Smoltzy qualified for the senior. Was it the senior U.S. Open? Yeah. No, he's it, small. He, he's legit. He's one of the great pitchers of all time. But this this just goes to show, man. They better win tonight. And this is something that I didn't think of. And this is why these notes that you get from these think tanks. And they have so much great info. Is that Garrett Cole has had a great year? Hadn't lost since what? May twenty second. Yep, he gave up six runs in that game. But every game he has pitched in October so far this year, the numbers have gotten worse. Do you know what Bill James's pitching game score? Do you know what that is? I I've heard of it, but I don't know how he calculates it. I'm really bad at calculating game score because like no I one knows how to calculate any of these metrics. Well, it's the thing like I never I didn't think people really paid attention to game score all that much. Well, according to Bill James's pitching game score, his game score in the ALDS of game two was 85. That was the 15 strikeouts, right? Uh, yeah, the ALDS game five against the Rays was 82. Game three of the ALCS, 71, and just last night, 46. So look at his sw- his swinging strikes have gone from 33, 19, 13, 13. How about his strikeouts? 15. So as you said, ALDS game two struck out 15. AD- A- ALDS game five struck out 10. ALCS game three, seven. And yesterday, only six. So Garrett Cole, as he's gone on in October, has not been as effective in each game he has pitched. That, I'm telling you, there's something about these Nats. They've got magic going. And somebody made the point that we looked at these super teams, the Yankees and the Astros, but are their win totals inflated because of how bad the American League was this year? Are they really this good? Are they historic? Because you could look at some numbers, and I have them for you. I'm not going to bore you with them. But you could literally compare this Astros team to the best modern-day baseball team, which was the 1998 Yankees. The 1998 Yankees, they were an absolute juggernaut, full of stars. They were unbeatable. They won, what, 114 games? I mean, they were just – the Astros ranked with them in a lot of different things. But is that because – look at all the bad teams you get to play. You get to play the Orioles. You get to play the Tigers. You get to play the Royals. You know, in division, Seattle stunk. They dominated Seattle. Angels stunk. Rangers stunk in the end. I, was, I think we can throw the Twins in that category, too, because the Twins won, what, 101 games? Correct. They played the Royals, the White Sox, and the Tigers. You know, three that was three of the four divisional opponents they played 19 times. Well, how about the Dodgers? Padres stunk. Giants stunk. Rockies stunk. Rockies. And the Diamondbacks were about 500 all year until they played better towards the, at the very end of the year. 
So maybe these teams that we thought were super teams, maybe there aren't so super. I, I still think the best division in baseball is probably the NL East because you had the Braves win it with 97, then the Nats were the wild card, and the Mets won 86 games. The only team in that division that, was any, well, that wasn't very good was the Marlins, and yet they were really bad. But you had three teams that finished with well over 85 wins in that division. All right, do you have the call ready? I do. All right, on this date in baseball history, we take you back to 1993. Game six between the Phillies and the Toronto Blue Jays. One of the greatest home runs of all time and one of the greatest calls by the radio announcer of all time. Here's a pitch on the way, a swing and a belt. Left field, way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions as Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning, and the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. I love that. Isn't that a great call? Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run of your life. I'll never forget. Off Mitch Williams. Wow thing. I, is there a big, bigger World Series home run than that? Bill Mazeroski. Game seven, 1960. You're, just, you're a Pirates homer. But that's not a home. That's It's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, home run I've ever hit in the, in the World Series. It was game seven. No, I'm, taking, I'm not taking them away from Joe Carter, but. All right, let's go modern day because so uh, people actually got to watch the game on television. Uh, I think Luis's, Luis Gonzalez's walk-off against the Yankees was pretty. That's not a home run, though. I'm talking about home run. Home run? I mean, yeah, that. I mean, that for me, that's probably up there. I know some people say uh, Kirk Gibson. You got. Uh, but that's still just game one. You got Aaron Boone in the ALCS. The Not seven. World Series. So I'm trying to think of other major home runs that were hit. The only thing that comes back to me for postseason is Sid Bream beating up Barry Bonds, and that was that's the only. Thing Everything always comes back to the Pirates, doesn't it? It always comes back to Barry Bonds and Sid Bream. Joe Carter, one of the biggest home runs. Walk off against the Phillies. Oh, they got our guy Al. I let. When are we going to get Al Leiter on? Whenever Al wants to come on, we've tried. We've efforted. Al turns fifty-four today. It's part of my notes. He's fifty-four. He looks good on TV for being fifty-four. And and, and as they say, Amelia Schimmel, who works for us, who who worked at the network. He's the nicest guy in the world. So that nice guy on television, he's he's that guy off the air. By the way, you asked me when we going to get Brian Kenny on. I as soon as you said that, I sent an email to my guy at the MLB Network. They said they'll effort to try to get him on tomorrow. Nice. They said, can you maybe take him earlier in the show? I'm like, uh, we can figure something out with BK. We can do anything, anything he needs. Front of the program, just we need to make sure he has a good phone this time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he at least he joked about joked around about it after. By the way, someone suge- made a suggestion on Twitter that we make that a T-shirt, friend of the program, and then give it out to the guests that wear it. Like have emo wear it, just friend of the program. As he every time we see him, at like the a Coliseum. like a uh, a green shirt with gold writing. Yeah, it says in quotations, friend of the program. I wonder if they'd let us put the A's logo on it. That's a question for the professor. He's a does he have that kind of does Pearl have that kind of pull? He's the marketing. Uh, what's his What's his director of marketing performance or performance marketing? All I know is all you guys got all these titles. Mine's just multimedia producer. I don't even have a title. Aren't you a senior producer? I just I'm just hey just. 
Keep shaking it. Technically, I, I don't keep I, working. Just keep work. Keep talking and keep working. That's your title. Technically, don't I work under you? Since I'm just a producer and you're the senior producer. That is true. You do work for me. All right. Well, I'm going to start delegating some guest booking to you. No, 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 no. That's your <laughs> that, 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 that's your call. Coming up next, we head to the East Coast. We've missed him. He's our friend, Scott Emerson, Emo, the pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics. We got a lot to break down next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field team. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go. It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he is the outstanding pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics. Scott Emerson is with us here on A's Cast Live. Emo, how are you? Oh, things are going good. How are you guys doing? Well, we miss you. You know, it's weird. Like, all of a sudden, you see people every single day, and then you vanish for uh, a few months before we see it spring training. So how's the offseason going for you? Well, offseason's going pretty good. Just, uh you know, doing some, some baseball stuff here and there and uh, getting reacquainted with the wife and dog and uh, my terrible golf game. Yeah, I think it's it's funny. It's like all of a sudden now we have all this time on our hands. It's like, what do I do for the next X amount of months? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, but, you know, the one thing I like to do is uh, I consider myself a baseball rat. So I'm, I'm trying to, to – uh, re-educate myself on all the new technologies and seeing if there's anything else out there that's better. Uh, trying to still watch a video of guys pitching. I take a guy here and there every day and just break him down and uh, put it on paper and some thoughts that uh, I might have for next year on this, on the, on our pitchers and maybe even look at some opposing hitters and uh, just take the day and, and nice, easy baseball days. So when I think about the postseason, some people don't want to watch it. Some people want to watch every minute of it. Where are you when it comes to watching postseason games, especially now since we're in the World Series? Uh, You you know, the crazy thing is that, you know, I'm on the East Coast. I live on the East Coast, and uh, these games are on so late. You know, they come on at 8 o'clock Eastern time, and and they don't end till midnight, but – I watched most of the game, but I, I won't. I will say I did flip over to the uh, Lakers Clippers game every now and then. I had to get my basketball fill, so I'm a big basketball fan. Uh, in the off season, I, I try to watch as many uh, ACC basketball games and NBA games. Yeah, kind of. Kind of it, it's it, it'll be very interesting this year to watch the Clippers take over Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean. Uh, and they, they played without Paul George last night. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's you know, I I saw where um, I think one of the players for the Clippers was at the Dodgers game, and he got booed. 
it's definitely a Lakers town. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, one thing that I, I've i noticed this postseason, because it just, to me, it's a tired act when people try and act like starting pitching is doesn't mean as much. Uh, starting pitching is a huge deal. And we're seeing the two teams in the World Series they are the two teams that pitch the most innings in the postseason. You got a bunch of great starters in this World Series, but I think people now in the game are starting to understand you got to have starting pitching. If you don't have you don't have starting pitching, boy, it's going to be rough sledding. Well, you know, and these two teams have got really good starting pitching. And you noticed last night uh, Corbin came in and pitched. Even in last year's World Series, you know, there was a lot of starter and pitching that came out of the bullpen. Generally, you know, the one thing about your starting pitchers is one is they throw more pitches than your relievers and they have the ability to flip lineups. So anytime you can get guys that, um, you know, can flip lineups two and three times, that's always a plus. And I think about what you said, these guys coming out of the bullpen right now, you know, during the regular season, we talk so much about bullpens, but all of a sudden, here we get down to the most important outs of the season, as you said, bringing in starters in relief. I love watching it. Well, you know, uh, if, uh, if you know, there's a fine line. You know, I always talk about, you know, relievers aren't starters because of certain different variables. You know, a reliever might not be a starter because of, you know, the, the condition of his arm, uh, previous health issues with his arm. And therefore, you, you make them a reliever and, uh, you know, you get short, quick burst innings out of them. Um, so, you know, there's a fine line. You definitely want to have your best pitchers in game, especially in the World Series. Last night, I was texting with one of our pitching coaches and he was like, how many, how many pitches are you going to let Serger throw? And I said, 140. I mean, whenever he tells me he's done. You know, I mean, this is one of the best pitchers in the game. This is the World Series. This isn't the first game of the season. And if my best pitchers on my staff tell me they're good to go, then I'm going to pitch them. Yeah, no doubt about it. you got to rip the ball out of his hands. And, you know, he didn't get off to a good start. But And we've actually seen this multiple times. I think about the Yankee game in Game 5 where Verlander didn't win, but the fact that he went seven innings in that game – really helped them in game six because they didn't have to bury their bullpen in game five. Verlander swallowed the inning. So even though they lost, that was a big start for Houston. Yeah, I mean, anytime your starters can – I mean, look at Garrett Cole last night. What did he go, seven innings and gave up five? And they didn't have to chew up much of their bullpen in a loss. So in tonight's game, they're going to go out and, and they know they got the next day off so they can use as many guys as they need to with the off day tomorrow. And that, that's the luxury of having good starters that, you know, they're going to give you seven innings. Uh, you know what you're going to get out of them. And those are the guys that uh, when you're looking for starting pitching are the guys that you're looking for are guys that you know what you're getting out of them every time they take the mound. And hopefully that's seven innings. You know, I know most starters average five and a third, five and two thirds, but the game is changing to to where uh, you know third time through, uh, the numbers are starting to to, to to swing towards the hitter. So that's important too. But if that's the case, then multiple inning pitchers will become important. Yes, and if that rule actually is instituted, that you're going to have to face at least three guys. 
you're going to need – it's like the bridge guy that gets to the bridge guy that gets to the closer will become far more important as about 42% of all innings pitched this year were by bullpens. But I think that's kind of going to get flipped once you have this new rule, if it is implemented. How do you feel about that rule that if you bring a guy in, he's got to face at least three guys? Well, you know, me personally, I mean, we're changing the game too much. The game is great the way it's been. Let the strategy of the game play out. Um, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, records. And uh, if records are the case and you're making now pitchers throw to three hitters, you're altering the record books again in a different way. You know, my suggestion one time was like, if you don't like the, the how long the game takes, play seven innings. And then uh, the people I was talking to was were complaining about, well, then the record books, guys won't get as many at-bats, guys won't get as many innings pitched. But in my opinion, we're not playing for the record books. You know, I'm playing to win a World Series, period. You know, it, it's a team game. Uh, let's get back to it being a team game. If you got to move runners over, you move runners over. But I understand it from a player's perspective. That that's how they're getting paid nowadays. They're not getting really paid to move a guy over. You know, scoring position nowadays is a runner on first or even you in the batter's box. So, you know, the, the whole the pitcher has to face three hitters, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it's, it's altering the style of the game. Do you see – it, it, go ahead. I was going to say, it, well, if you can alter the style one way and make a pitcher face three hitters, you can alter the game and, and uh, just play seven. You're going to get it over with in hopefully two and a half or 220. Uh, it might make your might make teams use starting pitchers a little bit more. Um, you know, let the guy go a complete game like these guys used to do uh, 50 years ago. I, you know, these are just rambling thoughts. You know, I love the game the way the game is. I, I love the human elements uh, of the game. I don't, you know, replay. I, I I don't mind replay, but I mean, you know, you, let's get every call right. Let's just don't say, well, you get to look at one call, and if you lose, you lose your challenge. That doesn't make sense to me either. If we're gonna replay, replay all the all the calls, you know, and and get every call right. Scott Emerson, pitching coach for the Oakland Athletics, joining us here on A's Cast Live with Chris Towns, and and I I remember you talking about last year where. You wanted the mindset of your staff to, hey, when we call on you, be ready to go. And that really is, has stayed with me. And it makes me think that if you don't have a Cole or a Verlander or a Scherzer, that maybe someday in baseball we'll have, like, positionless staffs. You won't be called a starter. You won't be called a reliever. You won't be called a closer. You're just going to be called a guy. When, you, when we call on you, we want you to go out there and give us as much as you can. Could you see a staff being built like that? Well, Tony, it's funny that you say that, but we, we do have that. It, it's called travel ball in high school and college and junior college. When, when these teams want to win big games and your number one pitcher uh, is available to pitch, he pitches in that big game. You know, um, you know, I, I know the, uh, the Rays get credit for having the opener start and all that stuff. But these are ideas that the Oakland Athletic Organization had for years. We just didn't implement some of this stuff uh, 
uh, until the Rays actually did it. And then we implemented it some in 18. But we had these ideas going around in 16. And we got some other ideas going around. But, you know, I can see, you know, one game is important. You know, if you, if you, you know, don't get out of the gate and, you know, luckily for the uh, Nationals this year, they were 19 and 31. I believe that was the call. And they, they had a great year after that. They picked it up, but sometimes that's a knockout punch. You know, you look at some of these teams, they're 19 and 31 and after 50 games and, and they're out of it. So we got to find ways uh, teams, in my opinion, to stay in the, in the race as long as possible. And if that means using pitchers in a different type of way and a different type of role, I'm all for it. You know, I like to be creative. I know our organization, in my opinion, is one of the greatest created orga- creative organizations in baseball. You just you also have to find, you know, sometimes it's, it hasn't been done yet, so you want to kind of see where it's going and trial and error, but sometimes you don't have time for trial and error. But I, I, I could definitely see, you know, more pitchers being able to throw more innings uh, rather than a one or two inning specialist, why can't we have more starter type pitchers on your roster and being a little bit more flexible in who's pitching? You know, the last two years, you and Bob Melvin have just done an unbelievable job piecing this thing together. And then, of course, the front office making some trades to help you out down the stretch. But next year, my God, going into spring training, you look at all the different quality arms you're going to have, and they're going to be healthy. And there's going to be an absolute dogfight to be one of the five guys in the rotation. When you're sitting at home thinking about it, you got to be salivating right now, thinking about that not only the rotation that you'll have in the big leagues, but then the rotation Fran Reardon will have down in Las Vegas. That's going to be super competitive. You know, uh, our, our organization has been great about depth, you know, and and uh, I know we talked kind of about the next guy up. You know, uh, Frankie Montas had his issues this year. And we had guys that just stepped up after that. We really started pitching really good. Uh, I, you know, right around that time, we needed guys to step up. You know, I think Frankie uh, showed a lot of fight early. I thought Chris Bassett, when he came up, that he showed a lot of fight for us. Uh, and he did a tremendous job, by the way, of uh, having that little split roll every now and then where he could start in relief. But you're right, you know, Lizardo coming up, pitching out of that bullpen and, and A.J. Puck. And then uh, Sean Manaya coming uh, coming in healthy. Fires does his normal stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's it's awesome to look for the future. Uh, you know, unfortunately the game's not played on paper. We got to go out there and uh, you know be a, be our warrior mentality and, and pitch one game at a time attitude. But I'm looking forward to it for sure. You know, I got a feeling after winning 97 games two straight years. Once this World Series ends. And I know everybody's going to be really excited about the A's chances. I, I, do you get the sense this is going to be a very quick offseason and we're going to be at spring training before you know it? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the guys, you know, uh, you know, when you make the playoffs, and, and you know, unfortunately for us, we, we, we took, it, uh, took it on the chin two, two years in a row, but the guys get hungry, and they get hungry. And once you start tasting it, and it starts tasting good, you want more of it. So I, I think the guys are going to come in hungry, hungrier than they've ever been, and, and you know, 
I, I think that, you know, the wild card game was a really good goal for us. Uh, I think, you know, last year that was our goal. You know, let's get to the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs. But I think now we, we got to start prioritizing. Let's win the division. You know, we, we proved uh, later in the year that we were good enough to, to beat the Astros some, which they're a great team, man. They're, 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 they're unbelievable. They, they do it all, in my opinion. But I think we can do it all, too. We just, you know, with our young pitching that you're talking about, it's time for us to really set the bar at winning the division rather than making the playoffs. Yeah, winning the World Series. Why not? Well, yeah, why not? I mean, well, I'm just saying that's our sure, that's our first goal. We get to the division, win the division, um, and and then we'll then we'll move on from there. But the division right now, I think we got the pieces in place, the players in place, the attitude in place. Uh, skipper Bob Melvin, in, you know, the best skipper in baseball, in my opinion, in place, and he sets the, the tone in spring training, which is a great tone. And we'll just we'll just go after it. And like you said, yeah, let's win the World Series. Uh, but let's let's get past the Astros on that division title, so we so we can host some more home games in Oakland. So in the off season, how much will you stay in contact with with your guys? Like, how much do you want to talk to them to see how they're doing? what they're doing, when they start throwing. You know, we just talked to Liam Hendricks recently, and he, he's going to start throwing again soon. So how much contact do you have with these guys in the off season? Well, I got a good amount of contact, you know, uh, uh, once every once a week, once every two weeks. I'm texting guys. I'm keeping them up to date of when, uh, when the throwing program, you know, we set up a throwing program for the guys. We, it's a guideline, you know, a lot of guys, especially in the major leagues and they've been around a long time and they've been with other organizations. They know what they got to do to be ready for uh, spring training, but it's, it's my job. And, and Nick Paparesta, our head athletic trainer and Josh Cuffey, our head strength and conditioning coach, you know, we're calling guys about the arm care, about strength and conditioning and about the throwing program. And we're blending in all three programs. And um, if the guys do something a little bit different or they want something different then then we go on for there uh from there you know it's it's like in my opinion i i i have you know if we got 20 pitchers i got 20 different corporations i'm working for yeah you know, i handle 20 20 pitchers differently so some guys uh like to really uh extend themselves with long toss some guys like to be a little bit shorter but uh so i'm just trying to, to listen to them and then have them listen back, and we formulate the good game plan in the offseason. So I'm I'm in good contact with, with most of the guys. Hey, it's great hearing from you. We miss you. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a quick offseason, but uh, we're going to be calling you during this offseason and to get some details about your pitchers, and we'll see what happens down at the winter meetings. And the number one thing, just hit them straight, man. you got to hit fairways. If you're going to make birdies and make pars, you got to hit fairways. Well, you know, it's a, I had a great conversation with my brother who my brother runs seven golf courses in North Scottsdale and, and we talk about scoring and you're right. You know, the reason why I'm not a good golfer is because my approach shots, I got 30 foot putts. You know, I, I can't, you're not going to be a good golfer when you two and three putt in every hole, you know what I'm saying? So I got to get that approach shot a little bit closer to the stick and make some putts. Well, as long as I got a golf cart and I got beer, I'm going to be fine. Yeah, I'm trying to quit on the beer a little bit. I got to get this. 
I got to improve this body a little bit. I know rounds a, a, a shape, but I, I got to improve this before I turn 50 in three years. <laughs> Emo, you're the best. We'll be in contact. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Scott Emerson. Love talking to that guy. You know, in like two weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about technology and pitching. So I told him we wait till after the World Series just to kind of give everybody an idea uh, of what's going on in baseball. You know, we're hearing all about spin rates and all this kind of stuff. Well, how do you utilize technology to improve yourself as a pitcher? So what we're going to do with Emo is he's just going to, we're going to sit down and and he's going to break it down for us. And it might be something that if you are a young pitcher or if you know a young pitcher, you're going to want them to tune in and listen. We'll all get a little educated because it's all different now. You know, they talk about Justin Verlander, how he's not even going to throw a bullpen unless he's got the cameras and he's got the rep soto, the radar. It's got to all be there. They got to all see it. And it really makes sense, too. And reading about it, and I think about, like, Trevor Bauer, where, you know, back in the day you'd throw a pitch and it would feel good and it would look good. But now you'll throw a pitch and Rapsodo's breaking it down for you. It's the radar that they put in front of the pitcher. It's like halfway between... Maybe not as much. It's in between the catcher and the pitcher, and it's pointing back at you, the pitcher. So it's picking up everything about the baseball. Then the high-tech cameras show exactly your grip and what the ball looks like coming out of your hand. So instead of having to throw the pitch over and over and over again, you get the one that works perfect, and then you can go back and say, okay, this is what it looks like. All right, now I'm going to start holding my pitch like this. And I'll know the feeling, and I can see it. Before, it was just, God, that felt good. Well, now you'll actually have the statistics that tell you why the pitch was good. The angle, everything. Spin efficiency. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. And how about, like, Justin Verlander goes to Houston, and one of the things about what turned him around in Houston was the slider. Because Verlander wasn't a big slider guy earlier in his career. Justin Verlander's slider, arguably the most dominant pitch in baseball this regular season. But the postseason has been a different story. Multiple metrics support the claim that Verlander's slider was the best pitch in baseball this year, starting in the middle of the plate, both vertically and horizontally, it tilts tightly and hitters, they to them it looks like a fastball. And when it ends up out of the zone, almost in the lefty's batter box, opponents can barely make weak contact on it. Lowest batting average allowed on sliders in the 2019 regular season, minimum of 100 ABs ending on sliders. Number one, Sonny Gray. Sonny got his slider back 
being in Cincinnati. So lowest batting average of 117. Number two, Verlander at 119. Highest chase rate for the slider this year. Actually, for all breaking balls, Verlander, the highest chase rate, 51% on his slider. But in this postseason, Verlander has not been so untouchable. His command on his slider has wavered. So there you go. The metrics show Cole, every single start has not been as good in the postseason. And Verlander is starting to get hit, not like he did during the regular season. In 40 at-bats, ending with a slider this postseason, Verlander has allowed opponents to slug 500. That slugging percentage was 220 in the regular season. So he hasn't been as untouchable. And, of course, going again tonight up against Steven Strasburg, who, by the way, would you tell me Cody has one of the best, was it ERAs ever? Fifth lowest postseason ERA in the history of baseball. Fifth lowest. It's got to be minimum starts, though, right? Yeah, I think his ERA is like 110, something in the postseason. Remember, it could have been lower or higher if he pitched at all in that 2012 playoff run. Still one of the most ridiculous. When they didn't pitch him because they were afraid of the innings, that was so ridiculous. It will shock the baseball world if you have the Nationals win tonight. You're talking about the Astros being one of the one of the biggest favorites in the history of the World Series. Because, yeah, it reminded you of, like, we keep talking about 98 when the 98 Yankees were going up against the San Diego Padres. Huge favorites. Well, they swept the series. I can't even imagine what the mentality will be like getting on that plane if you're the Astros and you're down 0-2 to the Nats. And you'd be going grinky up against Annabelle Sanchez. You want to hear Strasburg's postseason numbers? I looked them up real quick. All right, what do you got? 2014, he pitched in NLDS game one. He won five innings, gave up one earned run. 2017, NLDS game one versus the Cubs, seven innings, zero earned runs, 10 strikeouts. 2017, NLDS game four against the Cubs. Went seven innings, struck out 12, gave up no runs. This year in the playoffs, in the wild card game, he pitched in, he pitched in the sixth through the eighth inning, so that doesn't count as a start. His first start this postseason, game four, or game two against the Dodgers, six innings, one earned run, ten strikeouts. Game five versus the Dodgers, six innings, three runs. And then game three against the Cardinals, seven innings, no runs, 12 strikeouts. A 110 ERA in the postseason. So he started six like, games. You don't even think about that, right? Like, like if you would have told me in our pre-show meeting that he was that good in the postseason, I would have been, really? Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of it either because, you know, remember – Madison Bumgarner is the greatest postseason pitcher to ever pitch. Oh, you and your giant trolls. So I saw that again last night. I'm like, can we please stop? That was five years ago. Like, I mean, he's he was good, but Garrett Cole was trending towards being better. This put, and then he gave up to five runs yesterday. So that's why everyone talk, throws that out there. But if Strasburg uh, continues this, he blows Bumgarner out of the water, in my opinion. Well, he better win. Well, Bumgarner's got three World Series rings. 
he does, but if you if you go back and look at 2010 and 2012, he, he wasn't pitched well. He was like like a he was like 22 or 23 in 2010, and he won in the World Series against the Rangers. Yeah, he was he was good. He wasn't like he was in 2014 where he was you know unworldly. He was he was above average. I wouldn't say below average, but he had some starts in there. Are little... you trolling our giant friends? No, I'm just speaking truth. I mean, he did have that great. Po- he started that postseason off great. Because he started, Madison Bumgarner has been pretty dope in the postseason. Yo, Come he's... on, give him his due. You got to give guys their due. Well, I'm biased because he did shut down the Pirates in 2014. See, in the it always game. comes <laughs> back to the Pirates. Coming up next, Dan Schulman will be calling Game Two tonight on ESPN. But before he does that, he'll stop by right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, before we get to Dan Schulman, if you are starting a team today and you got the first pick in the draft and you can pick anybody, who are you picking? You asked me this earlier, and I thought about it, and I initially said Juan Soto, but I'm going to change it. I'm probably going to take Bregman. The guy plays great defense. He can play multiple positions. And uh, he's a 40-home run hitter. Yes, he played against bad teams in the AL. But Yes, he's not doing anything in the postseason. That's okay. He'll figure it out. I would probably take Bregman and then Soto. I think so, they're, Soto's – What about Trout? Still, no Trout? I mean, I like him, but if you want to be a superstar player, make the playoffs. I put it all on him. All on him. Wow, that is that is purely ridiculous. 400, $430 million, you better make the postseason. No, I, I would take him, but I'm going by age, and I want guys that are younger. I'd go Bregman, Soto. And but are, there, are any of these guys going to be as good as Trout? I think um, probably not, but I think Ronald Acuna Jr. has potential to be. I just – I'm not taking that guy. Well, his – I don't want to deal with him. He might um, – Bellinger? Bellinger's good, but he also struggled in the postseason. He figured he, – he had to fix some things. But he How about to, your boy uh, Jordan Alvarez? Hey, two hits yesterday. He's I was those are the two hits he had yesterday. I sort of been clapped for him because I wanted him. To, he came up with the bases loaded. And what was that? The seventh against uh, against Daniel Hudson. I was like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna come through. Thing here. is though, Soto doesn't play a premier defensive position. No, and their center fielder Victor Robles is pretty good too. He, I, I, I if if we're saying which young player I would take, I would I would take Soto, no question. Over Bregman, yeah. It's close. For me, it's close. Bregman's not young. He's 24. Yeah, he played at LSU. He's a college guy. Yeah, but he's still young, younger. Are you sure? You sh- Soto's going to be 21 to- on Friday, by the way. I, I think Bregman's 25 now. Let, let's look it up. I base the reference there's, open because we were going through there's Bumgarner's no way, numbers. There's, there's no, there, <laughs> your obsession. By the way, are you going to apologize to Mass and Bumgarner? I apologize for saying you were a... Uh, you weren't that good. You had one good World Series start in 2010. The other, yeah, he was he was like a little kid, and he, he was uh, threw eight, eight shutout eight shutout against, against Washington Rangers. I'm saying Bregman's 25. Bregman is eh, 25, almost 26. Because he's a college guy. Yeah, but still, he just debuted a couple years ago. Yeah, but he's a college guy, so he was there for three years at LSU. Two time All Star, All Star Game MVP, World Series champion. Can Bregman hit it up to the train track where Soto hit it? It's a good question. I you know who you know who can? Albert Pulhos can. And Brad Lidge brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that he brought it up because you showed you pulled up something you showed me and said, on this date, 
Scott Pesednik didn't hit a home run in 500 and something at bats in the regular season, and he had a second home run of the postseason this time, a walk-off off Brad Lidge in the World Series. And it's like, bad day for Brad Lidge. I'm telling you, man. Soto at 20, he turns 21 on Friday. Friday, yeah. You're comparing him to Ted Williams? There's a, there's a, I don't know if you saw this earlier. This, uh, I just, never mind, I just closed the document. But it's, they were talking about like the hits he has off guys this year. I think you might have it right here. So far this year, in the postseason, Soto is 7 for 10 with three home runs versus Hader, Cole, Will Harris, Clayton Kershaw, and Ryu, all who, who allowed a bat, opponent batting average under 240. So this kid's legit. Yeah, he's only 20. <laughs> he's legit. And he's under team control forever. All righty. Earlier today, we caught up with the man who's calling game two for ESPN. He's also the Blue Jays play-by-play man, formerly of Sunday Night Baseball. Here is Dan Schulman. Well, listening to the game last night on ESPN Radio, he did a fantastic job. Dan Schulman joins us once again, also play-by-play for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I can say this, Dan, that was a great game, and uh, you had a very solid call as we've been playing all your highlights this morning. Well, I appreciate that, but it was a great game. It was a lot of fun, uh, you know, to see the Astros jump out first, the Nationals come back, barely hang on at the end of the game and you know what what more could you ask for i think i said this on the air what more could you ask for than you know a one-run game going to the bottom of the ninth and in game one of the world series two great teams and it plays off to a good start it is so hard to believe that juan soto is just 20 years old first at bat absolutely blown away by garrett cole next at bat he's hitting it up in the train tracks up in the left field i've never seen that by a lefty have you seen that before no, and, and actually Buster Olney, who's in the booth with us, went over to the Astros radio booth during the break and asked Robert Ford and Steve Sparks, their radio broadcasters, have you ever seen a left-handed batter hit a ball on the train tracks here? And they said no. And, and they've been here, I think, at least seven or eight years, something like that. So he's a freak. I mean, as you said, he's not even 21 yet, turns 21 on Friday. And he's I don't know if he's as well-known as he should be around baseball, given how young he is and how good he is. It seems to me like Acuna is way more well-known than Soto, and Acuna deserves all the attention he's getting, but so does Soto. I mean, he's a, he's a special talent. He really is. Oh, it was impressive to watch. And then I think about Max Scherzer, who said, you know, this lineup is so tough. I never really got into rhythm, but I think we've seen this a couple times, is even though you don't get out to a hot start, we saw it with Verlander in Game 5 against the New York Yankees, at least give me innings, and that means less outs i got to get with my bullpen. Yeah, and he got them five, although I think if Washington's going to win the series, and I think they've got a chance, I think generally they're going to need a little bit more from their starter. And and as Scherzer said, he battled and they battled him 112 pitches through five. But I think if Houston can consistently get into that Washington bullpen in the sixth inning, I think it's going to be a problem for the Nationals. So, you know, if Scherzer can go seven his next time out, if Strasburg can go seven in his two starts or at least in one of them, like, ideally, Davey Martinez just wants to go starter, do little Hudson, or starter Hudson, do little. You mix in a little Corbin on his throw day, which they just did yesterday. But I think the more the Astros get into the other parts, the other guys in the bullpen, I think it's trouble for Washington. Yeah, and that's kind of a trend we've been seeing in the past couple of years is you have your starter, and then you bring in another starter after that, another quality arm that potentially can flip the lineup 
I mean, very impressive what we're seeing in baseball these days when you got starters coming out of the pen. And, and Corbin only gave you one, but, but this is just a trend we've been seeing in the World Series and the playoffs. Yeah, and there's total buy-in from the Nationals. We asked Davey Martinez about it yesterday. Corbin's pitched in relief four times in the playoffs. Scherzer once, Strasburg once. I'm not sure we see Scherzer or Strasburg do it in this series unless it's, say, a game seven, and it's a desperate situation. But they're all in. Like, whatever they're asked to do, they are doing. And, you know, Corbin probably starts in game four, so he's probably available to relieve in a six or seven, two, and they're getting three outs here, five outs there. They're getting really valuable outs from them. And what makes it all work is that they've got Anibal Sanchez. They've actually got a fourth starter. If they didn't have a fourth starter, I don't think they could do what they're doing with Corbin. And as great as some of these other playoff teams are, they don't have fourth starters. Like Houston doesn't really on the playoff roster. The Yankees didn't really on their playoff roster. They were kind of you know pitching away from those guys. But Sanchez being good in October allows Martinez to use Corbin in the role that he is. And I think about Houston, since the start of the ALCS, with runners in scoring position, they were 3-for-12 last night. But if you date back to the start of the ALCS, they're hitting a buck 38 with runners in scoring position, and that's not the Houston Astros team we saw during the regular season. No, not at all. It's kind of amazing when you think of those numbers that they won the ALCS, but what they did do against the Yankees is they hit big, like, three-run homers at key times. So even if they were only getting – one hit with a runner in scoring position. If it was a three-run homer, you know, that was enough to help them win a game. But they're too good to stay in a funk for long. But I was kind of surprised after the game last night, like Alex Bregman watching his interview after the game, his comments, he seemed really down. And he's usually obviously an, an incredibly confident guy. Um, Alvarez got a couple of hits for them last night. That'll help. Springer's been hot. Altuve you can count on. But they've got whether it's Bregman or Correa, uh, or some of the guys, the, the catchers down at the bottom of the order, they got to get a little bit more offense from somewhere. And listen, it's Scherzer, and then tonight it's Strasburg. Like, these guys are really, really good. You're not seeing number five starters in the playoffs. You're seeing the best that the other team has to offer. And I think it's so good for our game that we're talking about starting pitching and not bullpenning, and we're talking about star pitchers. I just, you know, for you calling the game on radio or watching it on television, I just, it, it's good for the World Series that we have stars on the mound to start the game. Absolutely. It's just way more entertaining. Like as a kid, I used to open the newspaper and, you know, who's is Jack Morris pitching, you know, Dwight Gooden, Roger Clemens, what like this stuff matters. It gives you something to talk about. I get bullpenning. I get some teams have to do it and I get the value of it in certain situations. Uh, but you're right. It's good for the game. If we can talk about a Scherzer or a Strasburg or a Cole or a Verlander, it's exciting. And there aren't many of these guys left anymore. And I hope the pendulum swings back a little bit the other way, although I'm not sure it's going to. But that, to me, the most exciting thing about this World Series is being able to talk about all these great starting pitchers. You know, Springer with the double in the eighth inning, where it could have been a triple, and Altuve would fly out to right after that. And plus, you don't know what would happen if it's a triple. Do they bring the infield in, and that opens up? What did you think about Springer not being on third and just having the double off the wall? Well, I will confess in the moment, um, I did not see it. So anything that I'm saying to you today is with the benefit of, you know, reading about it and watching replays. So, I mean, the first thing that I know surprised Chris Singleton and myself is why in the world is Kyle Tucker tagging? There's one out, runner at second, deep fly ball. You don't tag that. Nobody out, you tag. One out, you're halfway. He should have scored easily. So I'm watching the ball. I'm watching the ball because I can see Eaton. It'll be, you know, it's going to be close. 
so I didn't watch Springer out of the box. Then I see the ball bounce away, and then my next thing I do is I look for where Tucker is. That's the next thing you do as a play-by-play guy, find the runner, and he's just leaving second base. And now I'm all confused. Like, what's going on here? So Springer wasn't even in my peripheral vision at the time. But given what I've seen today, I think if he gets out of the box hard, like if he's charging out of the box, I think he's at third base. And I know he said he doesn't think he would have gotten to third base. I, I disagree. I, I think he's easily at third base. You know, they were focused on Tucker. The ball bounced away from Eaton, firstly, back towards the infield. They were thinking about getting Tucker at home. Uh, the throw came into the infield. The second baseman fell down uh, trying to catch the ball because the throw was a little bit offline. I, I think Springer's at third base on that play if he runs hard. Let's end on this. You, you know we love our XAs. And Kurt Suzuki, it's great to see him in the World Series. He had some big blocks last night, and that, that, that always goes unnoticed. But Kurt was big. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Chris Singleton noticed it. He talked about it a lot on several occasions during the game because, obviously, when you're catching a guy like Scherzer, you know, with the slider, that ball's in the dirt a lot. And Suzuki's just so nimble and agile back there. It's really uh, a pleasure to watch. You know, and everybody's different, but uh, I just came off the ALCS and watched Gary Sanchez have all kinds of problems uh, behind the plate for the Yankees. Then you see a guy like Suzuki and what he's doing. You, you know, not only does he save his pitcher a couple of wild pitches a game, potentially – but I think he makes his pitchers better because they've got the confidence to really cut loose on the pitches. They're not afraid to throw a breaking ball with a runner at third or anything like that. And if they bounce it, they bounce it. They know he's going to block it. So uh, I loved watching him. You know, he's been around a long time. It's not like he's a kid or anything anymore, but he still looks great back there. Dan, we always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And, of course, have a great call tonight. We'll be listening to you on the way home after this show. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good guy. We've now had him on the program twice. We had him on earlier this year when the Blue Jays were out. And uh, solid broadcaster, does a great job, he and uh, Ken Singleton. So if you're driving around, make sure you listen to our guy, Dan Shulman. You ready for a little buying or selling? It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Showman was here for the wild card game. Oh, is that what we have? And he does it with Chris Singleton, not Yankees broadcaster Ken, Ken Singleton. Singleton. <laughs> uh, Chris Singleton, former, I want to say he played at Reno. He's from the Bay Area, isn't he? Or he's from like Pinole or somewhere in the East Bay, I believe. So, anyway, George Springer last night made history in game one of the World Series. He's now homering in five, count him, five straight World Series games. Who, whose record did he break? Hold on, we're, we're getting there. Springer had homered in the final four games of the 2017 World Series for the Astros, winning MVP honors in the process. He batted 379 with five home runs as the Astros won the win in seven games while over the Dodgers. Springer shared the record with Lou Gehrig and Mr. October himself and former A, Reggie Jackson. Springer also now has an extra base hit in seven consecutive World Series games, extending his own record. Springer's 14 home runs in postseason. He has 14 home runs in only 44 postseason games. Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, had 18 home runs in 77 games. Buying or selling George Springer is a new Mr. October. Uh, how about you hustle? How about how about how about some accountability after the game? When he said that it was ridiculous, guys tagging at second. I got no 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 no. He ended up scoring. You could have easily been on third. You watched that ball all the way till it hit off the wall. 
if if George Springer ends up at third, Jose Altuve was up next, up next, flew out to right, potentially could have scored there, but it also changes everything because then the infield would probably be brought in. I'm selling. Yeah, I heard the audio from him last night saying, well, you know, I would have been thrown out of third anyway. No. Well, still run, no, bro. No. And I like Springer, but. I do too, and usually he hustles. It's just, it's an epidemic these days with these guys that they hit the ball and they want to watch it. And it costs them a run because he could have scored on that Otuve flyout that might even could have tied the game for them. So, ESPN.com and Sam Miller ranked all 50 players organized in the World Series by how prominently each should figure into their team's hopes and plans. And here was his top five. He had number five, Anthony Rendon. Number four, Justin Verlander. Number three was Garrett Cole. Two was my guy, Alex Bregman. And one was Max Scherzer. Strasburg was sixth. Jose Altuve was ninth. And I believe Juan Soto was seventh. Buying or selling, Max Scherzer is the best player in the World Series. Selling? Completely agree. I don't know why he was why he's ranked number one. I mean... I know he's a game one starter against Garrett Cole, but... Overall career... Are we talking about right now at 35 years old? It's just, it says how prominently each should figure into their team's hopes and plans for the World Series. He has Scherzer number one. He pitches every five days. Well, it's a playoff, so he could pitch on three days rest. He could give you three different starts. I sold this. Well, I, okay. I mean, that kind of now that I think about that. If Scherzer went out in game one and shoved. And then threw on three days rest, and then threw on three days rest in game seven, and he gave you three starts, that'd be pretty valuable. Yeah. It's just it's just crazy, like, thinking that a pitcher is like, – I still think that it's probably either Bregman or – for me, it's either Bregman or Rendon because they're position players who play every day. Soto. Soto, too, and Altuve, who got them there on the walk-off in game six. So uh, so far, Soto has been the number one player in the World Series yeah. through one game. Um, should we change buying or selling? He's the new Mr. October. What? Yes, I'm buying. <laughs> so, are you buying stock in Soto? Yes, I'm buying as much as I possibly can afford. So, I'm going to make the, keep this one short. Steven Slothberg, as they called him in college, was uh he pretty much he was an overweight guy in college. Now, he was overweight as a as a high, high school schooler kid. and and going into college and he ch- kind of transformed himself and they called him Slothberg. I wanted to get that in there. We talked about how in 2012, the Nationals didn't use him. He sat out because of innings, the innings restriction. Just buying or selling, the Nationals would have won the World Series in 2012 with Steven Strasburg. I'd have to sell that. You don't think they beat the Giants? I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's it's very hard to tell. That's what we do. We ask hard-hitting questions on this program. So, I mentioned this yesterday. We really didn't get a lot into it. The A's need but some- I would add Madison Bumgarner with the Giants. You're, you're taking him over Strasburg? <laughs> Strasburg has a – I went looked. The status all earlier was wrong. He has a second lowest ERA in postseason That's, play. If you would have said pick anybody who ha- who has the best. Sandy Koufax. All right. So if you have said Sandy Koufax is number one ERA, I mean, there's a minimum amount of games you've had to pitch, yeah. right? And Strasburg started six games. Okay. So if you would have said Koufax, wouldn't have been shocked. If you would have asked me, give me number two, I, I would have never even thought to say Steven Strasburg. Yeah, me either. I would have thought of someone else in the series, like maybe Ver- well, not Ver- he's been bad. Bob Gibson. Yeah, or Bob Gibson or Tom Seaver. Don Drysdale. Greg right. Matt- John Smoltz has like every postseason record. Andy Pettit's been pretty good. 
But yeah, I would never have thought Steven David Strasburg. David Cohn. Uh, Strasburg's area is 110 in the postseason right now. Well, you know who's also really good? Kurt Schilling. Yeah, he he won a I believe he won a big game or two for the Red Sox back in the day in the in the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I think his uh overall record, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his postseason record's eleven and two. He was the guy with the bloody sock, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. I was just I couldn't remember if it was him or someone else. But yeah, he was good, and you're right, it was eleven wins. So I what was, was what was Pedro? In the postseason? Huh. Well see, they were really good for he was like the most dominant pitcher for a four year four year run. 99 that year was incredible for him, where he had the, the really low areas, like it was under two, I believe, in 99. He was he was really good. But I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know what is what is he, six and, that's six and yeah, four. Because remember, he had the Who's Your Daddy game uh, against the Yankees. That, is that the Don Zimmer incident? He's, no, that was a regular season. Six and four with a 3.46 ERA. So not that great for the great Pedro Martinez. The Hall of Famer. So I brought this up yesterday with you. The A's need some bullpen help going into next year. You don't know what you're going to get from Blake Trinan, who has a, who could make up the $7.8 million next year in arbitration. How does Lou Trevino bounce back after his bad year in 20, 2019? There's good news, though. There's one guy in the market that could fit in well with the A's. That's Dylan Batances, who only appeared in one game this year, coming back from injury, and then he got hurt again. But he has a career 236 ERA and will be great for setting up games for Liam Hendricks. Batances also has 36 career saves. Buying or selling, the A should sign Dylan Batances. Uh, wait a minute. He's damaged goods. That means you can get him for cheap. Thank you, Billy Bean. <laughs> um, I, 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 I can't pull the trigger until I know he's gonna be healthy. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, he's not. He's not. He's not healthy, and and. One thing that you always, especially power pitchers, what was his exact injury? I forget now. Was he shoulder or elbow? I think what it was. was he? It was like a Achilles. Was this his Achilles? Let's see. Oh, that's right. He had leg problems. I don't know. I, I I'm I'm selling until I get. A he good had a he a partially torn left Achilles tendon. Well, you know what? If it's an Achilles, I may be buying that now. I, I, I like him as a guy that could set Because it's not his arm. No, it's just, I mean. And, and, it, and Achilles, I've never heard of a pitcher losing his career because of, uh, did he did he, did he he have a full rupture and have surgery? Uh, let's see. He missed most of the season with shoulder and lat injuries, but then came back and did that with his Achilles. Uh, I don't see anyone oh with God, surgery right here. Shoulder, lat, and Achilles? Wait, yeah, I'm back yeah. to selling. <laughs> so, I, we're not going to have enough time for this. I'll save the Why one about the, the Nats. But, uh. The 2019 Nats, buying or selling the 2019 Nats, are this generation's Miracle Mets. That's what I was getting at. Because the Miracle Mets won an incredible run to catch the Cubs to win 100 games. And they went on to win the World Series in 1969. But my last one I'm going to ask you. Buying or selling the Pittsburgh Pirates will hire Dave Dombrowski as their next general manager. Oh, I'm selling. Why would he go to that trash organization? He can cement his Hall of Fame He wants legacy. to win. They the, don't want to win. That's true, but they do have a lot of players they can tra- he could trade away in the farm system. Oh, yeah. To, that'd to be win great. now. Yeah, that would be great. For a team have, fun with, have fun with that. For a team that doesn't trade him away, he could be the guy that trades him away. I can see Dave Dombrowski at this age now just becoming a high price consultant. Buying or selling Dave Dombrowski will be a consultant for the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to replay the show. So if you missed it, what the heck were you doing? We had an incredible show. The guest list 
absolutely off the charts. This is what you're going to hear. You're going to hear from Brad Lidge. You're going to hear from Scott Emerson. You're going to hear from Dan Schulman and also COO Chris Giles of the Oakland Athletics. We'll be back tomorrow. We're on live from 1 to 4. Enjoy Game 2 of the World Series tonight. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.